Miniature soldiers, big opinions. This is the Conclave Podcast. Hello friends and welcome to the Conclave Podcast. Uh, I am Quipster and today we've got a very special episode. I've got with me Ed, the Sandman. Say hi, Ed. Hello. And ADR Wargaming, our legal department, otherwise known as Adam. Adam, how are you doing? I'm alright, mate. Hello, everyone. And we have a very special guest today. We've got with us a man who always has the high ground himself, Pleasant Kenobi. How are you doing today? That, that was pretty quick. I was expecting at least another few minutes before we made a Kenobi joke. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm good. I had to go you. straight in there. Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> a little bit of a, a gap. Excellent. Excellent. Now, for those of you out there who don't know, uh, Kenobi is someone who's just well you got into 40k very recently uh it's been what six months now or so no 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 so i started i'm coming up to my year anniversary in may it's like um, oh, wow. uh april, april 29th i think I, I put my first order in i think i was looking back at my stuff oh, recently because wow. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll talk about that later but um yeah a, a, a year now i played as a kid i played uh, mm-hmm. why well, i say played like all kids i kind of played but never finished a full game probably uh, but I collected as a kid and painted badly as a kid. And then I always wanted to get back into it, but only recently with lockdown did I decide to do so. Excellent, excellent. And just so our, so our audience uh, will get a sort of a bit more of an introduction to you, you have actually a very large following on YouTube. You've got about 80,000 subscribers now. Yeah. Um, your main following is in Magic the Gathering instead, yep. is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, you say very large, like in terms of magic and nerd spheres, I guess, like in the grand scheme of YouTube, I'm tiny, right? Because I'm not a <laughs> Fortnite, like TikToker or whatever. Um, Yeah, so Magic the Gathering is my primary thing. I've been making videos on and off for six years. Um, I started to get traction around three years ago and I went full-time two years ago-ish, oh, wow. uh, maybe 18 months ago. Um, and I've been making magic videos basically almost daily, uh, like I say daily, five, five videos a week-ish and streaming once or twice a week as well uh, for quite some time. And I travel around, I go to events and I'm sponsored by magic companies and so on and so on. And then, yeah, I decided wow. to get back into Warhammer and I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to make videos about it as well, which is kind of a mistake sometimes because it's good to have a hobby that isn't part of your your work as well. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to share it because I just fell like really deeply in love with Warhammer again. So. Oh, amazing. And we'll get back to that in a second. But what I like to do, or what we like to do, um, well, when I do whenever I host, is we have to go around the table and do a little bit of hobby progress before we really uh, get into the issues and start talking to the guests. So uh, I guess today we'll start with uh, Adam, our legal department. Tell me, what's, uh, what's, been, what's been on your plate for, uh, for the hobby progress recently? Tyranids. Lots of tyranids. So many tyranids. <laughs> So, uh, as, as you, yeah, as, as, as listeners may remember, I decided that one of my new year, new army, I say one of my, because I'm one of those people that just goes, oh, I like that, I'll buy a new army, um, projects is the Tyranids. And um, I thought, hey, man, contrast paints are a thing. This is going to make a horde army real, real quick. Yeah. No. Um, so I have finished uh, this week. I mean, to be fair, I've, so I've, I'm, I'm, uh, I've had a couple of weeks off as well so you would have thought great time for some hobby progress yeah my my motivation went out the window and i decided i actually just like sitting around for a little bit and just watching youtube videos <laughs> um so uh, i have got through sort of 12 hormigants uh, sorry termagants and uh, i'm just finishing up about 16 gene stealers today um and then i've sort of base coated and, and built um a broodlord an exocrine some uh z- I'm trying to remember, yeah, one of Zoanthropes, that's it, Zoanthropes, and um, a bunch of Hiveguard. 
so I have a bunch of stuff, and it was my birthday recently, as you can see by these slightly deflated balloons that listeners obviously can't see that are sitting behind me. Um, so, and I received a... I, I received just thought a, you liked balloons. Yeah, I just I just, just, They're just festive. Uh, no, so I, I received some some gifts, which included uh, a, a bag of bugs from Forge World, including some rippers and a, um, a side here duel, um, which I need to get around to sort of building. So I've got the scheme down now. It's sort of orange and yellow and black. I've gone for sort of an assassin bug type look. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 when it's all done, I think it's going to look really good. At the moment, <laughs> it's a lot of work to get through it, but you know it's a passion project because I love the Tyranids. How quickly can you paint a, a, termag- a termagant? Do you think? Do you think you can do a one? termagant? A single termagant you can do in like bleh, probably a couple of hours. Like then, they just because well, you have to nine hundred right? of them. Wait, wait, <laughs> yeah. a couple of hours for one termy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I do, I, I do like a lot of uh, feathering on the edges of oh, the, um, the armor. How, that's how like... many are you gonna play? Like, what's your plan for like squad size? 20, so uh, uh, yeah, probably 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 squad to twenty. So um, yeah, that that's gonna be fun. That's forty um, hours. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's because of all the... It, it, you know what it is as well? It's all the... Just the layering of stuff. Just because the, yeah. the, the Tyranids, you can do them very quickly and they do look good. And I'm not saying mine look particularly brilliant. I don't think they do. But with contrast paint, you can actually do. do a lot of... Oh, thank you. It's very kind. You can do a lot of like kind of layering to build up that kind of organic look, um, which, I, which is what I really like about them. And to be honest, they make a nice break from the Sisters of Battle. Um, which which uh, are very 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 fiddly. And I was going to say, I notice in the background. So to go off my hobby progress for a second, but Mr. Kenobi, I see two very different boxes in the background of your video. There, I see Piety and Pain, and I see Magnus the Red. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, is that? yeah but I, I've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think we share the same problem, as you can see um, from the Keeper of Secrets that sat. Yeah, I saw it. That's uh, I've got a bit of a hard on for like um, uh, centerpiece models. And nice. I'm like, well, I just oh, need yeah. at least at least one of each greater demon. I'm like, no, Vince, stop, stop! Finish the things you've already bought. Um, <laughs> well, I, I also so, yeah. recently did. Uh, you've got the Silent King and Mortarian sitting oh, up there yeah. on the on yeah. the other shelf. So uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on the mm-hmm. centerpiece models thing. You need to you need to buy all your demons now. This is public service announcement because as soon as that Bellicor model comes, it's That's a good oh, point, they're, they're all they're all selling out. So buy them yeah. buy them now yeah. before, before people just raid the shelves. One hundred percent, and like. I honestly, when it comes to these big centerpiece models, though, like Magnus and Sonic King, I don't know how you even start with that kind of thing. Because, like, the biggest model I've painted so far is that uh, Repulsor Executioner. And that was, like, a Herculean labor for me, let alone, like, the fucking. Yeah, but you're like a. You're a bit of a. I need to spend a thousand hours on the eye or whatever, right? (laughs) (laughs) I want to disagree with you, but you're right. Yeah. (laughs) I, I struggle with infantry. Like, uh, if it's a single character or a big piece, I can just go at it, and it's fun, and it's a progress thing. You get there, and I'm currently sorting out like 40 Necron warriors um, to try and get up to my 60 that I need. And Jesus, oh, yeah. it took me an hour to just put the basing paste on 40 of those in 10 scabs a day. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. So we should say though, Cripster, you've it's it's paid off your your you know 40 hour eye because you've you've been featured on mm-hmm. the Old Warhammer community stream. Yeah, uh, it's, it's nice of you to mention it. I was going to. How much do you pay to get featured? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could pay to get featured. That'd be amazing. Have your custodes uh, been featured before? Have you had no, featured? never. This is the, that's what you're known for, thing. right? And now I've seen the. Yeah. Uh, interesting. It's so weird. Like, literally, what they did, what happened was I posted the picture, tagged Warhammer Community, along with a whole bunch of other stuff, which uh, <laughs> Ed always is annoyed about. What, the number of hashtags? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Gotta get him in there. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Our, our listeners are aware of my opinions on that. <laughs> <laughs> when you're scrolling through Dark Angels and up pops a custody, who's is that? I wonder. My, the, the best one was when I was just, you know, I, I, I genuinely like to use the hashtag system, and, and I like to just like go hashtag Dark Angels or, or whatever and just scroll through. And then it was just like there's this time where it was just Quipster's face. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, no, my, it's just Quipster's face. And I just okay. posted, I just posted to a group, like, Quipster, what is this? I'm with you on that then. I didn't know he just randomly, like, tagged them with stuff that isn't even in the image. Like, oh, yes. I mean, to be fair, I'm a very big fan of the hashtag system as well, and I use it very efficiently. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, basically what I did for this one was... I, I was just like, right, okay, this is kind of like a really big milestone for me, this particular model, because finishing the Repulsor Executioner is the landmark, I've now got 2,000 points of Imperial Fists. And I was just like, That's oh my god, deal. this is like, well yeah, done, it's like yeah, a really big, a big deal, deal for me. Because yeah. like, I have never had two fully painted armies in my life. So like, to finish mm. the Custodians was like a big thing. To finish the Imperial Fists... It's like a mind-blowing thing for me. But is an army ever really finished? Mm. Don't you bloody start with this. The philosophical question. An FAQ drops and you're suddenly 30 points under. They release a new model. There's there's always constant changes. Dude, that happened to me once uh, for a bat rep I was going to film with Liam. Like I I think the the FAQ came out the night before we were going to do it. And I was on the train on the way there and Battle Scryer updated. And I was like 50 points under. I was like, oh! Was that the, was that the banner when the banner became free for a moment? The no, no, no. This was like a, a year and a half ago. It was oh, ages when the, ago. When the like, bikes this... got cheaper or something. Yeah, like a whole bunch of custodian stuff just got really cheap. And I was like, I literally don't have enough painted things now. Like, this, this is, is a big issue. I, I come from a world of where in Magic the Gathering you have a folder full of cards that you might want to use for one tournament where the metagame adjusts slightly. So I'm like, oh, I need at yeah. least 10,000 points of every army available to me so I can just... And it's, 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 a, it's a bad mindset to be in because I'm like buried in plastic <laughs> right now. <laughs> that is astounding. Um, yeah, just to finish that, that story off quickly. Um, basically, I posted this this picture and it's such a weird, like amazing feeling when you get a notification that says warhammer community have sent you a message and you're just like oh my god what that's why like you your heart goes in your throat but you're like and uh yeah it just says hey this is whatever this is you know james from warhammer community uh we saw your picture we'd like to feature it tomorrow on the uh on the stream it'll be on at these times and then saved in this in this video and i was like yes yes that's completely fine Uh, (laughs) um yeah they they posted it and you didn't turn like, around oh and God. say, well, actually, my appearance fee is X, and uh, these are my PayPal details. <laughs> I'm not anywhere near as cool as you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get I away with do that. I'm itching to have something on Warhammer <laughs> Community. What are you about? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. And, like, watching Peachy's reaction when the picture came up, because he was literally just like, oh, wow, that's a great yellow. I love it. I'm so, oh, my God, Peachy noticed my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i was super super happy and to be to be honest more than that i'm just happy it's done because that's been on my like work shelf for like two two months now just because i'm a slow painter so yeah, it's i'm nice happy, to I'm happy it's way. Done because uh now you, now <laughs> you have two thousand points and we can actually play each other and have a proper game mm. Rather than the last like two years, a lockdown aside, where it's been like, oh no, I can only I've only got like a thousand points painted. It's like now you got two. We can have a proper game. Yes. 
It's true. I was going to say, at the end of 8th edition, Adam, I was avoiding you. <laughs> that was a thing. Yeah, that was that was Space Marine evil, that was. I, I totally, yeah, yeah. That was, I accept that, that's fine. Me and Adam can start the peer pressure as well for you doing your Night Lords. So that's going to be fun. Oh, God. Is that your, is that your 20... Chaos Faction of Choice, Night Lords? Yeah, it is. It is. As a slow like... painter, is that really a good idea when it's like freehand central or whatever? I, I didn't say it was a good idea, I just said it was my idea. <laughs> but it's just because like I... I really like... Oh, this is going to sound so weird, because normally I'm just like, I am Mr. Loyalist. But um, I, l- I actually really like the Night Lords, because... Um, what's his face? Conrad Kurz is probably one of the most tragic um, Primarchs, and the best characterized one, I think by far. Every piece of lore that's written about him is very um, appropriate to his context. There's nothing that sort of an author has written that veers off in a left direction you're like mm, that's a bit uncharacteristic of him to to do that everything is very solid i think in his backstory um even up to the point where like surrounding his death he like this isn't really a spoiler everyone knows this he dies uh <laughs> he's just like what <laughs> he dies i'm only three books into the heresy calm down kids <laughs> well like, basically he he dies to prove a point and like he's that petty and it's like really emphasized in like other bits of his law and i love that fact that everything he does reinforces his his like conception of himself as sounds like, like an idiot oh yeah, <laughs> yeah totally like he is like he's such a deluded moron i'm just it's gonna die amazing. to prove this point like, that, that's just yeah. absurd why would you do that <laughs> yeah literally that his entire life is built around that here are, my, here are my heartfelt reasons why this is a great character. Yeah, he sounds like a right moron, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always do it slightly to be provocative, of course. But in, all, yeah, in, yeah. All, in all fairness... But you're not wrong. Quipster, in all fairness, Quipster, Quipster also did tell us that his uh, one of his favourite uh, Primarchs on a previous episode was uh, Loyalist Fulgrim. Whereas okay, I'm no. a fan of full-on mental, like, post-chaos, like, just nightmare, nightmare <laughs> Fulgrim. So, I, I don't know, he's all over the place. I love him, but he's all over the place. I honestly... Loyalist Fulgrim is absolutely my favourite Primarch because he is such a lad and he is so amazing and he gets so much stick and I'm just like, no, he's so cool. Just read the Palatine Phoenix, honestly. It will change your conception of him completely from being like... like were, this they, is the problem. were they bright pink in Heresy or was that a, uh, was that a Chaos uh, edition? They're, they're so purple. They're purple, white and gold. Right. Yeah. Right. There is actually a canon reason why they're pink. Um, because it's flamboyant? No, no, no. Um, basically, there's a bit where one of the big uh, war bands, um, they're at this planet and there's like a chemical plant and like the chemical plant explodes and like all the paint runs on their armor and like reacts to the chemicals and turns pink. This is the Joker backstory, mate. Yeah. This is not the... This is, not the <laughs> this is a prime example of the law looking to explain away the models. They're like, oh, it, it contaminated the paint. Well, wouldn't they go back up to the ship and repaint their armor? They do after every battle, surely. Like, wh- why would they just change to be pink forevermore for the next ten thousand years? That makes no sense. It is funny with the Empress like children it. as well, because one of their one of their like big shticks when they fall is that they they kind of keep the iconography of you know the winged talon and and the symbols of the emperor deliberately. Like they they obviously deface themselves with chaos and slaneshi stuff, but they also keep the imperial stuff. As a mockery of 
of the Imperium ongoing, whereas obviously a lot of Chaos Legions just, you know, get rid of it altogether. So it's, it's kind of funny that they, yeah, they had to come up with a law reason. They're like, oh, yes, and uh, we kept everything mm-hmm. else, but we changed our paint scheme. I guess if they if they gone for a brighter paint scheme, that could have been, like again, the subversion or perversion of what they were mm. like before. But, I yeah. mean, chemical reaction? I don't know. I don't know. That sounds like <laughs> they were sat in the writer's room, like, okay, we need uh, someone to come up with a reason why they're pink now. And, like, don't worry, fam. I got you. He's just got out of seeing, like, Suicide Squad. It's like, oh, I got it. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, they, they, land, they land on the planet Acme and uh, head to the nearest <laughs> chemical plant. and uh... Yeah, literally. Yeah, I think that's that's my hobby progress. Uh, Ed, do you want to take us through the things that you've been doing recently? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been continuing our our tradition. I think as we've all done of, of not been painting much, but have been buying more and more models, which is uh, an, an interesting. Hey, no, buying counts as hobby. It does count as hobby. And to be fair, I'm 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 good at building and priming, and then they just sit there for for quite a long time. But uh, I bought. <laughs> A bunch of sentinels i bought uh i'm gonna have like 20 aberrants I'm, I'm totally ready for like the 2019 meta i'm i'm very prepared uh, <laughs> which is going well oh i did actually this is not true this is true i have actually built the coolest model i think anybody's ever built um which i will try and grab. that's a bold claim <laughs> yeah no and i, I back this statement you're never gonna change my mind so i put it on screen for for, for, for the guys oh yeah and okay so there's actually got this i got quite a lot of comments on this on, on instagram so i'll have to put it up when it's finished but basically the, the other thing i've, I've bought recently uh, is is the lion I, I bought lionel johnson and uh a fun fact about lionel johnson is he comes with two weapons it's a cool cool little model and he comes with the lion sword, which is the sword he's famous for. However, because you should never piss off Rebute Gillum, he comes with a second weapon uh, called the wolf blade, which is like a massive chain sword. And the, the lion sword being his iconic weapon, that was the weapon I decided to build him with. And then I had this massive chain sword left over. And I was like, God, I would. <laughs> I, I thought I need to use this somehow. And then the Dark Angels book came out. And then there was this idea, everyone's talking about this idea, this is an interrogator chaplain, you can give the Teeth of Terror to, buff him up a bit further with Mantra of Strength, and you've got a pretty tasty little combo there. And so I was like, right, well, here we go. So I've, I've bought, it's actually, it's a, it's a proper, it's proper mishmash of kits, actually. So it's the Praetor body with a jump pack, the interrogator chaplain head, some interrogator chaplain bits, shoulder pads, etc., and then the chainsword of Lionel Johnson, which, uh, as the guys can see, is actually <laughs> bigger hilarious. than the model himself it's just so it's so absurdly sized but it really works i think i'm very proud of this yeah. so i think I this it. is the, i think it is the coolest model anybody's ever made so i, stand I, love, by I love it as, as someone as someone who sticks takes um uh, eviscerators from his repentia and sticks them on canonesses to give them appropriately sized ca- chainsaws i am all in favor of the bigger chainsaw the better like the more ludicrous it looks on the model you go for it <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that the hands actually look the right size as well. Well, I actually, uh, I, I used the Assault Marine Eviscerator handle and then did some chopping and green stuffing and uh, got got it to fit on, which is pretty cool. The thing is, I, actually, I've actually, I can actually do a second because the other thing you get with the lion is you get sheaths for his sword and the, the wolf blade. So if I can just get a chainsaw handle and just put it in the sheath, I can have a second guy who's got this just... <laughs> massive ass chainsaw strapped to his back i think i think i'm gonna just make this a thing and all of all of all of, all of my dark angels have oversized <laughs> weapons <laughs> you have to keep buying lidals off of the forge world to get the weapons. yeah keeping gw afloat <laughs> i absolutely love that and to be honest like anyone who buys a primark model for their army all i want to see like 
Ed, for your first ever bat rep that you, you do, I just want to see you play that as a Primaris captain with Chainsword. The thing is, and it's not this, <laughs> is, power sword. this, this isn't a this isn't a power gamey thing because like I could just use him as Azrael. He is just a guy with a sword and a plasma weapon. That is what Azrael has. Azrael does he not have a, a bigger weapon. base than Azrael? He does have a bigger base, but Azrael is two models. He's two twenty-five millimeter models technically because he mm-hmm. comes with the Watcher in the Dark. So it actually will kind of e- even out. In a tournament, obviously, you can do this, but I, I, I get, I totally agree with. So I, I would want to just put him on the game. On the field, I think you'd yeah. be, fi- I think you'd be fine. It's just, sorry, it was interesting talking about the the base size thing because I had the same problem when I remodeled Sanguinius and the uh, sorry, sorry, not Sanguinius, the Sanguinor and Dante because they're still on twenty five mm. mil bases. I've put them on thirty twos, and I'm going to take the risk. And interestingly, I know obviously it's not a thing so much anymore, but the ITC actually have or had and officially still have a rule set for their tournaments where they say that older space marine characters who are on the 25 mil bases can be put on the 32s and you can still oh. you know because it because that is the space marine size as why do you say not a thing anymore what makes you that well in, in to the extent that um i think ITC obviously still exists, but people regard the fact that Ninth Edition has effectively brought in right. you know, the second okay. system and stuff like that. I, I don't, I haven't kept up to date with exactly what the guys over at Frontline are doing with regard to no. the ITC. Okay. But mm. whether we will see ITC tournament packs and ITC rules in the way that we did for say Eighth, right, I don't with you. think we will. It's, I think it's, it's say, just when I when I came into the hobby, I just I heard about ITC on every podcast and every video I listened to, <laughs> and then I haven't heard the words ITC. Although it was ITC muttered for quite some time. Um, yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> oh yeah, my Sanguinor is on the wrong base size as well because I didn't like the old Sanguinor as a kid. So when I came back to the hobby, I'm, like, oh, I'm going to kit bash one out of um, uh, Stormcast Eternal and all those sorts of bits and bobs, and I put it all together. And then <laughs> I um, then got a Sanguinor on an eBay lot, and I was like, oh, the ba- I- I've got him on a not a 32. I've got him on like a, a ter- no, not even like a Scorpion Destroyer size base. It's huge. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh no, I've, I've really messed this up. Um, so I play it like casually with my friends, but if I went to an event and wanted to play the Sanguinor, not that you would because his rules kind of suck, but um, I'd play the, that's good, yeah, that's good. Yeah, my, that's my, my dude. I, mine is in another room, I might maybe I'll grab it when someone else is talking. Uh, but my, yeah, I've got a little Sanguinor that I'll just use, you know, someone else has paid it if I have to, I guess. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, as as soon as uh, Kenobi said that, Adam was just like, I've, I have done that! I have yeah. made one out of a Stormcast and held it up to the camera. Uh, it's just because it seems it's like a thing so many people do and i love it i think it's such a great it's like a really good kit to do it with um to kind of mess yeah. around with the uh the sanguinor and dante as well obviously i've done um and my sanguinary guard um and i, I you know I'm, I'm not saying i've seen i've seen a couple of ways of doing this and there are people who just use a whole you know kit or whatever from from you know rather than rather than kit bashing where they take like you know a bit of the a bit of one bit of the stormcast bit of the other they just use a whole stormcast kit and that can look a bit weird because mm. they don't have the marine parts to them like it doesn't yeah, look agree. like power armor um but but still the the as a, as a base kit to use for kit bashing they're amazing oh i'm seeing those big wings yeah so so, awesome. so like <laughs> i'm gonna make this podcast format even worse by showing more models but so this guy is uh sanguinary guard body <laughs> He's got a sword from Sanguinary Guard trying to emulate the sword of the Sanguinor. Um, this is oh, literally yeah. just a magnetized wings from a knight Astigo or something. I don't know yeah. AOS very well. Um, same ribbon from that. But the base, you can see, A, I haven't ribbon with black on the edge because this is one of my first kit bash I did like a year ago. Um, I'm, I think it's cool. They've even got like some object source lighting on there and everything. But um, uh, yeah, it's just huge. It's awesome. just like obnoxiously big. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any auras. So it's not like I'm like, I'm not expanding my auras with it. I'm not 
cheat well, I'm not trying to cheat anyway but you know what I mean where if you yeah. expand the base on an aura model like Azrael I guess or, or Dante mm. or whatever then obviously it's clear that you're kind of taking the piss a little bit in some ways but yeah absolutely I mean this is a good way of uh, moving on to your hobby progress Vincent tell, okay. us, tell us the things um, so... I'm being very formal <laughs> <laughs> I have been making all sorts of... Uh, so, um, I've been playing loads of Warhammer on TTS. Like, I play at least two matches a week. Uh, I've got a tournament mm. ongoing on my Discord and stuff like that. And and, yada, yada, yes. and I'm playing a Chaos Super List. And I'm like, I'm in love with it so much that I'm like, I must just build this now. And Magnus is the, the big baddie in that list. I've just recently finished The Lord of Change, which I've got here. Who's another thing that's in that list. Um, so, that's my first thing. But then I wanted to do a video on my Necrons. So, and I've got like 40 Necron Warriors that aren't finished, and a ton of Scarabs, <laughs> and a lot of bases that need finishing, and a Chronomancer I hadn't built. So, that's actually on my hobby desk to my left now. But as you can see, I've, I've just picked up Piety and Pain because I, I built my first sister squad about two weeks ago. Um, and I've got a oh, second wow. half of that coming. So, these aren't getting open until the Necrons are finished. Um, <laughs> And I've also got like 15 Nurgling bases that I sprayed black and didn't paint. They're sat on a sh I've got so much stuff. But it's good because I like the variety. If I'm just painting a Blood Angel, like, which is my main army, if I'm just painting a Blood Angel every day, it's boring. The fact that I can jump between like Monster to Necron to, to Nurgling to Demon to... I hate building. Okay. This is the bit I'm scared of. Hang on. I hate building stuff. But Hang on a second. You say it's boring painting Blood Angel after Blood Angel. How many points of Blood Angels do you have now? <laughs> uh, around 16,000. <000. laughs> Jesus Christ! Wow. I mean, <laughs> about two thousand of that is probably not painted by me from eBay pickups and stuff. But yeah, and then the, and then another two thousand not painted. It's so probably only twelve thousand painted by me. And you go only hundred, don't you? <laughs> uh -huh. I, I just took a, when I first got into the hobby, I took a week off and just painted so much stuff because I thought I'd hate painting. So I, when I go back into the hobby, this is a jump away from it, I guess. But I said to my wife, "Oh, I really want to play, but I'm really scared about painting." I painted my first model. And was like, I love this. So I don't know why I was scared of it. And, now the painting's a big part of the hobby for me, which I thought it wasn't going to be. Um, so yeah, I try to just get a day off some days and just like soldier on through like 10, 20 marines or whatever, at least to tabletop standard or whatever. My, 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 my um, Death Guard are all not highlighted. So I don't know if that would upset some people, but it's all just like um, uh, based I'm out. so upset. Washed heavily because it's Death Guard, right? And they're like, I'll yeah. highlight them one day. I find highlighting quite therapeutic to do. But then I'm yeah. on a shelf and ready to go. So yeah, I, I go a bit ham and I've got way too much to do. So Necrons are my current thing. I want to get him done so I can do a video showing off, you know, like a hundred odd warrior bases and all that sort nice. of stuff. So. De oh, Death Guard are like cool. prime candidates for dry brush highlighting. I fight, so that's how I did oh, yeah. the Death Guard yeah. army, and, and that's how I did mine because it's just, it's just. I mean, you know, whatever technique you want to do, right? But they're just a nice candidate because they, as you say, heavy wash, make them look grubby, make them look like the gross servants of nurgle that they are um so they and the models are, like oh I, the death guard models are fantastic they're very fiddly so and alex doesn't like them but they're awesome <laughs> oh yeah i hate them <laughs> why do you hate them i don't so i'm all about the clean lines like the armies i have are custodies imperial fists <laughs> and then soon night lords so it's all power armor right. so i just i don't like the like gruesome aesthetic like i don't even like horror films Right. How are you going to cope with all the me. skin on the Night Lords? Because they're covered in like skin and skulls and trophies and all that. But nastiness. neatly, yeah. But it's, it's not skin. like in... <laughs> yeah, uniform. And it's skin. not like intest. Yeah, it's not like intestines and someone's head hanging off and like gruesome shit like oh, that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> some of those dreadnoughts. <laughs> <laughs> 
But then um, I, I, I started painting loads of loads of Death Guard just before the Codex came out. Like loads of the Plague Marines. And the Codex came mm. out and it's basically the general consensus now that you play Terminators and Poxwalkers. So I just painted 30 Plague Marines for no reason. From a competitive standpoint. I mean, I enjoyed painting them. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, yeah. I painted the wrong thing. I painted... And that's what happened to new Codexes, right? So that's why I'm being a bit more careful with Sisters and stuff. And Thousand Sons. I've got some rubrics and I've got Magnus and stuff. I'm like, I'm not painting anything. I'm not committing. I've got a Leviathan. I might paint in that. And then I'm going to stop and wait for the Thousand Sons Codex. Because for all we know... They could adjust how the rubrics can be built. They could do all sorts of stuff with it. So, Well, actually, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Like, you're building all these new armies. You're getting back into the hobby. When you're building armies and you're painting stuff, are you cognizant of the fact that, like, oh, I need this done so I can put it on YouTube? Or is it more like, oh, I want to be competitive? Or is it more like, oh, I really like the aesthetic of this. I'm just going to paint it up and maybe just pay attention to the competitive side. Is it, Or is there like, oh, yeah, um, one aspect that you favor more? <laughs> I would care about the competitive side if we could play, right? Because <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I'm here going, oh, I, need to, I need to build my Chaos Suit list so I can play with it. I'm like, what, at best we can play in June? And that's if things go well, and it probably isn't, right? Like, I had, I had yeah. my first job of COVID. Uh, not COVID, the COVID vaccine a day or so, and it knocked me out, just as a weird time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I spent yesterday just asleep. Cause it, have you guys had your vaccines yet? Not yet. I'm so jealous. No. I... Yeah. See, have asthma and you can have it early. Way. Yeah, my, my, my other half, my other half's had it, and she had like similar. Like, just felt the day after was a bit like you know recovery day. Uh, I was, yeah, I was like, I was hungover. Guess I was hungover. For Death Guard fans, yeah. you guys are surprisingly susceptible. I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the question. So yeah, I'm going to say the... this oh, is the on. other. This is the other reason I don't like Nogle. I've already got a chronic illness. I don't need more of it in my life. <laughs> You're blessed. You're already blessed. There's another yeah. side to Nurgle which Crypt is very apt with, which is just like, you know, long waits for hospital visits, <laughs> filling in forms. Yeah. I guess Nurgle would be like, don't fill in the forms, don't go and just let nature run its course, right? Nurgle's all about... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, like, it'll be fine don't worry about it <laughs> He's, I think Nogle will be very anti-vax not because he doesn't believe in it just because he's like wow yeah, don't worry about it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> um, Sorry, you, you asked about like um, I, I'm, I'm planning to do battle reports but again I can't do battle reports until COVID's out of the way right so I am at the moment getting Necrons ready and getting a few things ready so like, a friend of mine's going to come down we're going to film like two battle reports at once and stuff and start doing battle reports on the channel but again that's preemptively for like the April June time so yeah a lot of that is going on in my head but really I'm just painting because I like painting I guess to answer your question succinctly What's your setup for battle reps going to be like? Is there any is there any channels that you kind of want to emulate, or like kit wise? Yeah, you, so are you going to keep them kind of live, like your TTS stuff, or yeah? So no, t- I don't want to. I think the TTS stuff that I've done is completely like inaccessible to a new player or someone who's starting out in the game because sure, we get bogged down in the rules. We start discussing like FAQs, yeah. three or four hours long. So I guess I'll probably aim to, to at least go in looking a bit like Winters with a hand cam. But I will be trying to spin it like okay. I do my magic content where I have on-screen Oh, did you know Did you know Cripster knows stuff. Winters? Yeah, yeah, he mentions it sometimes, doesn't yeah, he? he mentioned, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you all. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I'll, I'll make it a bit meme and have some on-screen stuff and things like that. But it's a bit of an experimentation, right? I haven't even done it yet. I'm going to try and probably do a 500 point to experiment with it. But I can't even see another human being who plays Warhammer. I'm trying to convince the wife, but she's just like, no, I'm not playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my, my other half's response was, there's just too many rules. I'm not having this. Although she's there reading the Horus Heresy now, so that's good. Mm. <laughs> Are she reading the Heresy books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on Fulgrim, actually, right now. It's quite funny. So she's she's actually, she's uh, she runs a little, like, baking business. She's, she's getting a load of stuff baked today. And I went in there earlier just to, to help out, and she was like, oh, Fulgrim-shaped cake. Let's... 
let's do yeah yeah exactly yeah god don't know what what nightmare that would come out as uh, but yeah <laughs> it's, it's just a like, while you're kick. here while you're here <laughs> yeah, let's they, do they some make Warhammer a painting questions. of like blood and shit don't they in that book <laughs> yeah yeah they do oh my god <laughs> So I, I was getting questioned on the uh, what exactly the avatar of Cain was and who Eldrad is and all that so, all that stuff. So, good. What, is that Eldrad? Dream? Here's my newbie thing: Is Eldrad alive during the heresy? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eldrad's, yes, Eldrad's yes, he is. So he's over ten thousand years old. Okay. Oh yeah. He's like he's, Fulgrim. Yeah. Fulgrim, you're a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get on. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> and is that again another newbie question here? Does he go into the warp? Is that why he's alive ten thousand years later? Or is he just is just is that old? No, no he's, he's just older. old. Eldar, yeah, yeah, just they live. That book yeah. starts off the, uh, I think, like, you know, 20 year long tradition of avatars of Kane getting fucked over every single time they're yeah. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost become a meme. You know, with the Necrons, they're like, okay, here's a shard of our god that we broke into pieces and uh, he's going to come kick your ass. Whereas with the Eldar, they're like, here's a shard of our god who got shattered into pieces. You're going to kick his ass. Let's be honest. That's how it's going to Because the avatar of Kane in like short stories in White Dwarf when I was a kid was like, Unstoppable force for destruction is what I remember. Yeah. Then yeah. I came back to the game and I'm like shooting him with bolt of fire and just dying. Like, yeah. what? What's this? <laughs> so I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping in the next Eldar Codex they Lord of War him yeah. or the Supreme oh, Commander him or something. Yeah. Did you guys see this this guy though? He uh, I've forgotten his name. He's he's like one of the, mm-hmm. he's one of the top Eldar oh, the GT in the world. Which, yeah. 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 He had an, Eld- an Avatar Arcane in his list. He just came first. Really? Uh, GT with it. Yeah. It's one of it's one of those lists that like none of us will understand at all. It's got like <laughs> a bunch of units in it that are all there for utility. If you don't know how to play this list, it, it means nothing to you. But obviously, he's he's. Fa- I, I'm really Respect. sorry, I've forgotten his name, but he's famously one of the top players. In the yeah, world, it was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so um, it's impressive. Res- yeah, it's just just does show if you if you are fucking committed <laughs> to your faction. And to be fair, he then went like five and one at the, the next week also. Um, wow. So he, he's, he's part of me yeah, wonders though is if it's a bit of a meme, right? Like he's like the rest of my list is so good and I know what I'm doing. I've got the meta game tuned in. I can just play an avatar of Kane, and then when I win, people will ask <laughs> how. Like in Magic, you have 75 cards. If one of those cards is a random meme, when you place with it, everyone focuses on that 75th card, not the other 74 that I've won in the tournament. So this is entirely why I play Genius Dealer Cult, just because like nobody knows how Genius Dealer Cult works. So I, I plan to go to tournaments and people be like. What the fuck does this do? <laughs> I absolutely love that. I hope they bring back just on on um, uh, Vince's point about the uh, the avatar. I kind of hope they bring back the old rules that you start because back in the day, like as you say, not only in the law was it very very good, but on the tabletop it was like immune to melter weapons and stuff and flamers. It also had like oh, that's so cool. Because second it, and third rules metal. for insta kills, right? For the last yeah, yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. he had all that in melee, right? So he'd, yeah, he was just like insta kill land good. raiders and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously, oh, I don't... Insta-kills, I'm not a massive fan of, but I hope they bring back... Well, if it just says, like, if this if this scores a wound, destroy Vicar, <laughs> <then> that's... <laughs> yeah. But I would assume he'll be, like, Bellacor and the Nightbringer and that yeah, one yeah, weapon on the Chronomancer, yeah, yeah. ignoring Invans, I think. Like, that could be a yeah, thing that yeah, he does yeah. to, to rip, rip and tear. So, I, I don't so. know. He just looks like he, sh- he should be cooler than he is, right? Like, why yeah. cooler than he is? I mean, to be yeah. fair, he needs a new model as well, because it's literally, like, um, three inches tall. <laughs> every Eldar unit needs a new model bar in the banshees right i've come yeah, back yeah. after 20 years and all the models are the same <laughs> we we have a very good a very good friend of ours he's a massive massive eldar player and has you know what like twenty thousand points of the damn things and he oh, he's yeah. done a brilliant job on them but it's like oh man they need new aspect warriors they have need, you they seen the new dire avenger sculpt what it's on the base of illith in the uh in the pious and pain box it's like a hell oh, oh they're, they're like uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. We did, yeah. We did say to him, you have got a new, you have got a new sculpt. It's, it's yeah. just a corpse. They've updated one third of the model, like, from, like, yeah. shoulder up. Hold well on, GW. It's got, it's got a really cool skull motif. It's, it's his skull. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well, um, Kenobi, is... Like, getting back into the hobby, where did you start with the lore? Because I think it can be very intimidating getting back and being like, okay, I knew all this all this stuff back in the day. Oh, God, Black Library, there's a lot here. Like, where do you where did you begin? Um, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of, like, wiki diving too much because I'm an old-school mm. comic fan, so I find that, like, just reading a wiki is not representative of what happens in, like, your average comic arc. Although, obviously, the majority of nerds do, right? I'm sure we've all seen that people are arguing online about their in-depth knowledge of 40K and they've probably never read a book. They've just, like, read the wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... I planned to start from the beginning. So I started... I listened to um, Horace... Oh, Audible, right? Audible was a, a godsend. Um, Horace mm. Rising... Um, is it Dark Gods, the second one? Uh, false, false Gods. False Gods, yeah. that's it. So yeah, I started with all of like I just started from the beginning, basically. And then when Indomitus came out, I was like, I'll give this novel a go, and it wasn't that great. Mm. I just... Uh, where, how or why? I just... I don't really have any rhyme or reason or logic to it. Whatever the newest release was, or whatever the first release was. Like, the two, like, uh, far ends of the scale, I guess. And then Watch of the Throne was because I, I bought my Custodes, and I bought the... Black Library Celebration, Sister and um, Valerian? Is it Valerian? Oh, Valerian and Alea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I guess I'll listen to this novel, which was pretty banging. Um, I'm not going to lie. That is one of my favourite Warhammer books ever. I love that novel. pretty good. So I, need to watch, I need to listen to the second one now as well. But oh, it's good. Card, so when I'm, when I'm chatting on my disc about Warhammer, and someone mentions the Blood Games, like, well, actually, it's where they hunt Heretic Astartes for the, for the Holes of Terror. And it's just like, <laughs> I get to be that, that, that nerd. Um, so yeah, whatever ties in. Like, I love that. I've got the Mephisto book uh, downloaded, but not listened to, because mm. being a big Blood Angels fan. So it's basically whatever I'm paying at the time. When I was paying my Death Guard, I started listening to Lords of Silence. Unfortunately, I finished my Death Guard before Laws of Silence was over, so I haven't gone back to Lords of Silence. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's Lord a bit Silence. of that, really. Have you, have you read, um, or have you considered The Infinite and the Divine, given you're working on your Necrons at the moment? No, so no, is that called, a There's a book called, okay. yeah, it's The Infinite and Divine. It came out when they did the new Necron Codex, and it's basically about um, Orican the Diviner, and Trazin the Infinite, the two kind of slightly wacky Necron characters, right? One's okay, obviously an yeah, obsessive kleptomaniac. The other guy is like, you know, I'm the, the seer of the future and I oh. was the one that said to the Silent King, probably don't make this deal with the Catan, mate. It's not going to go well. And the Silent King went, no, it'll be fine. What could go wrong? And, is that the know. kleptomaniac who they joke, there's a, there's a suggestion that he holds one of the Primarch's bodies still, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, a line giant in one golden of the books, warrior. Yeah. yeah, so oh, we don't we know who did he is. Kind of, we did yeah. kind of find out who that was, though. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's because in Battlefleet Gothic 2, the game... Um, is that canon, though? A... I think it is, maybe? Because <laughs> there's so many GW I... games and half of them are shit, so can they all be canon? <laughs> oh no, this, this is a good one, though, so I want it to be canon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, So basically, there, there's a bit, because it's the first game to take place um, after Cadia gets destroyed... Um, spoiler, I don't know if you've got to that bit yeah, yet. Yeah, no, I'm aware of that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've read the fluff that comes in the Night Edition rulebook, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's the first computer game set in the Warhammer universe after that, and a bit of it takes place at the Battle of Cadia. And so, obviously, Trazen was there, and um, it shows a little intro about him, and it, like, explores his vault a little bit, and it shows the golden-armoured warrior is a custodian, and he's just, like, frozen 
in movement. He's just like running towards something, and he's just kind of there. That's boring. Like, That's the golden guy. Yeah. I wanted to be Sanguinis' yeah. corpse or something that they can bring back. Yeah. You know. Well, he's he's got, oh, no, he's that's, got Creed, um, doesn't he? He's got Creed. He's got Creed. Yeah, other, yeah. He's got. He's got, he's got like. I mean, the, uh, Ursarkar Creed, who was the like Cadian commander um, on Cady, came he, when Cady blew up. Mm. He basically just nicked him and put him in a gallery. It's one of the things. Really, really. Yeah. Does he have a model? He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Got, he's, he's the guy like, with the with a cigar, like looking that. kind of um, like kind of oh, chubby, him. actually. Right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. But the the book, the, the infant divine is really good. It gives a really good, um, really good kind of overview of Necron like society and how it all works, and just how bizarre things are when you have no concept of time because you are functionally immortal. So they're like, oh, we used to have operas <laughs> that were like five hours long. Now they're five hundred years long, and I don't like going to them because they're boring. That's that's like one of the things that comes up in the book, and like <laughs> what still he has same. in his gallery. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's just it's re- it's really really f- it's a fun so, book. I recommend it. I listened to Indomitus and the Necrons in that were really hammy. Like even the voice actors were like mm. putting on like comical voices, and it really kind of put mm. me off Necron stories a bit. That that is yeah. that is a hit and miss with Audible, isn't it? The, yeah, because the, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the first I mean, few Horus books, the re- the guy who's reading those is so good. Like yes, like yeah, yeah. yeah like chillingly good. Weirdly, Sanguinius. Sanguinius is voiced. Prop. I, I, yeah, he's he's he's. They do they do, yeah, they do one character in every book like that, and it just they happen to choose. So, so Gwyneth hasn't shown up by the mm. beginning of the third book, I don't think. Because I'm waiting yeah. for it. Like it's like you know when you're like waiting he's for the camera of a character one, that you love. Is he? Yeah. Where? Uh, him and he's got Morris. a very small they have a conversation. Yeah, they have them. a conversation. Oh, when yeah. he meets with Dawn as well no, they, on, they on, the, and, on the ship. Don't, don't they go and just kill metal bugs for like ages? Yeah, they go to murder and fight the Arachnids, but Gwyneth isn't there. Oh, yeah. No, no, he is, he is. Blood Angels are there. In which case, he's not voiced very well. He's not voiced in a different way then, because mm. he didn't stand out. Well, I, 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 remember, I remember being proper, like, yeah, kind of, hello, I am Sanguinius. He has got, you know what he kind of sounds like? To me, I know, I know what you're talking about, Ed. He kind of sounds like Noel Fielding in The Mighty Boosh. Like, he's just like... <laughs> yeah. Hello, Can you imagine Noel Fielding playing you in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> And the Golden Hawk Boy. Um, no, I, the one I find awkward with the with, so I was gonna say Infinite Divine. I didn't listen on Audible, so I won't vouch for the voice acting quality. It may be good, it may not, uh, but it is a good book. What I was gonna say for the voice acting is in Fulgrim, which is the fourth book. There's quite a lot of sexy oh. time scenes, and uh, you know, as they do, they just get the one guy to just voice <laughs> the, the the female characters as well. So you end up with this slightly weird thing where one guy's like, "Oh no, I don't know what I'm doing," and she's like. Come to bed, yes. Come with me, and it just all gets a bit strange. It's just, it's just, it's like clearly just the same guy putting on a slightly different voice. I guess, but in some ways, I guess that make it less uncomfortable because if you had just two people doing sexy time in your ears when you're painting, I don't know if that uh, <laughs> that would work. When you're painting Emperor's children, it works, you know. Don't. I'm gonna have to buy some uh, some Chaos Marines to paint up, like ready for the fourth book or whatever. <laughs> oh my god! I mean. Uh... One thing I have found is I'm going because I've read the entire Heresy and I'm now going back through the audiobooks. I think it is like almost an entirely different experience, like reading the audiobook, reading, listening to the audiobook than uh, than reading the book because like I have very distinct ways that I think like the Primox sound, for example. And I've had this this conversation this conversation with Adam so many times. I think Fulgrim should have a light French accent. Because it, d- that makes sense to me. <laughs> so think about that it. Was, he's that like, was my reaction. The epitome. <laughs> what? No, because like... It's just the, the epitome of like... 
No, because he's the epitome of class and sophistication. He's kind of a bit off himself. That's not the he's French sort of arrogant. trip, though. I'm that is the French. I'm <laughs> I think it would make so much. He's the theatre is called La Fenice. I mean, that's the thing. So I, I'm an English major. Like, um, by I was originally going to be a teacher. And I ended up I hated kids, so I never finished my PGCE. But um, <laughs> when I did my English degree, like I used, I had to talk quite a few times where I believe that audio books are a different medium to actual books, actual books, mm. because you you are experiencing it through the lens of someone like narrating intonation, the way they say things, the way they pace things. Like it yeah. does change it fundamentally. Like so, I, I don't know if you're just getting onto the quote about them being French or whatever is all you're getting at. But they, I, don't, I think it's very different. The problem that I would have is that I don't really have the time to paint the hundreds of models that I keep buying and sit down with a good book and yeah. then experience any other book that I've got. Like, so I'm trying to tie it all together in some ways. Mm. It's a particularly good pairing. Mm-hmm. Like cheese and wine, as the French would say. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like, like one of the things one of the things that um, yeah, I was going to ask about you earlier that you mentioned was how like uh, the Warhammer community, sorry, the, you said your channel is quite small on um, in terms of Magic Gathering, but in terms of Warhammer, you know, if you consider yourself a Warhammer YouTuber, you're one of the biggest, so the, the, the community is quite small. But weirdly, at the same time, things like YouTube and Audible and podcasts, they all work with Warhammer because of painting. So mm-hmm. it's like mm. uh, there, there's always more space for more content creators. Yeah, definitely. People always say that, like when they when people watch, I've streamed TTS. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm painting X today. I'm painting Y today." Or people will comment on my wall on Wednesday saying, oh, "I was watching this while painting X or Y." So I think content creation, yeah, goes hand in hand. The consumption of content alongside like, the painting and stuff. I mean, it's funny we mentioned this as well. Like when we first started doing this podcast, I kept on saying to the guys, "We need to make it as long as possible. We need to make it as long as possible." And like in the beginning, it was like, "No, no, we'll try." Seven the hours later. First. It's <laughs> like popping and, pro plus and <laughs> exactly and it was literally just a case of like guys it's because we need to make it long because people are going to sit and paint while they listen to us no for sure i, I remember having this i was like crips you're out of your fucking mind mate no one no one <laughs> wants to hear me ramble on for, for for two hours but for some reason they do what was what's funny as well literally. is that crips seems to be exactly right because the longer the podcast, honestly, without almost without fail, the longer the podcast, obviously, guests obviously do tend to do better. But outside of that, the long podcasts do far better than the short mm-hmm. podcast. And I, I mean, it's weird. YouTube, I assume, doesn't work like that. Yeah, it probably depends upon the platform. Is what I was about to say. Yeah, because YouTube tends to kill my videos that go past an hour. Like I had a gameplay video come out, right. which was now in ten recently that I had sent to an editor. And I said to the editor, "We need to get this under an hour if we can." And he said, without cutting out actual like content of like some of the plays you made, this is a magic video. He said, we can't get it under an hour. I was like, oh, it's fine. We put it out, and it like right. compared to the same video with the same editor, same style, same format, everything from the week before, it did like 25, 30% less like views. And I was like, that's YouTube doing that. And it happens, you can see like in my analytics, whenever I upload a stream video with like, magic, all the TTS stuff, which I've stopped uploading now. Uh, YouTube's like, no, your viewers don't want this. Because what YouTube does itself, sorry to get into real shop stuff here, is it, it, it knows what your normal audience is. My normal audience is people watching magic videos for 30 minutes, right? So if I upload anything that differentiates from that, so if the keywords were Warhammer, like my first Warhammer Wednesday video I did, bombed. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. Oh, no, I enjoy it. So I kept going. And then that one's now like a 50, 60,000 views because YouTube started to realize, oh, people do want to watch this because people are clicking it or go out of the way to find it. So YouTube doesn't like you different. A, going off from your niche and B, producing content that is different. If you always put out four hour videos, then it won't like not put those video subs and stuff. But yeah, I, I can't put up my three or four hour stream videos without YouTube being like, oh, we don't want that. Oh. So yeah, it's, it's the algorithm is what I'm getting at basically. Algorithmic or, or learning stuff. Mm. 
See, like, it's good for you to like say this, say this stuff. And please, if you want to talk shop, please do. Because we all have YouTube channels, and we're all intently listening. Like, oh, I see. Okay, I'm not. I'm no expert. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. I said, small, small fish compared to the most of nerdum. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm doing something right. I guess. Hmm. I mean, this is something else I wanted to talk about as well. Like, and it's something we were sort of talking about in the in the pre-show chat. Um, there are. I, it, I personally thought there was a lot of overlap between the Magic the Gathering community and the uh, Warhammer community, but like we were saying that there's uh, like quite big differences, especially where with like how the Warhammer community like look at lore, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what were you? What are, what have you noticed so far? The big differences. So I so there are differences. There's Who's different... worse. <laughs> uh, War, Warhammer, Warhammer. <laughs> Like, honestly, it is. It just is. There's, there's a lot of elements to it. So there's massive overlap, a huge overlap. It's either they someone's into both hobbies or on the Venn diagram, or people want to be in both hobbies. So there's a lot of people who keep saying, because of your Warhammer videos on Wednesday, I keep clicking on, I've now bought um, the Sisters of Battle Box or whatever. Right. The other thing is that Magic has gone through some really rough patches lately from things from like um, the dismantling of organized play, COVID happening, um, Wizards just printing cards that are so power crept they make everything else look obsolete. They've had to, we've had bans a week after things have been released. It's been insane compared to what it has been in the past. And that's like pissed people off, disenfranchised people. Like, I've had videos where I'm talking about how I'm feeling burnt out with Magic because Wizards of the Coast just keep fucking it, essentially, like in terms of like <laughs> what they do. Uh, and as a weird side tangent to this, like I, I pop in to see the games of uh, TTS that are happening on my Discord for the stream, um, the the tournament that I'm running. And I popped in and I heard a voice from one of the players, like Pat. I don't know if you will hear this. Pat, is that you? We, we met in Madrid, right? He's like, yeah, we hung out in Madrid. We went to McDonald's in Madrid. He's a friend of a friend, and he's been on my Patreon mm. for years. He gave up playing Magic. He's come back to Warhammer, and then like my Warhammer videos and the tournaments like brought him back in so and it, i was talking to him and he's a good example of it he's saying i don't go to magic events anymore even pre-covid because of all the problems but warhammer is a bit more refreshing than that i'm not taking it seriously there's different parts of it that you can paint and stuff so yeah there's an overlap but i feel that there's also a problem with magic at the moment where people are looking for other things to do whilst magic's in a bad spot i don't think magic will die it's like the greatest card game ever made there's a reason it's lived for so long so there's that the other difference i think is that the magic community on the whole and the company that makes magic and magic as a franchise is super like softy lefty right this is a weird i don't, I don't want to get too into this but they're super softy lefty mm-hmm. like, the main company are like here's some trans characters here's some um non-binary characters here's some gay representation and they've done some bad bits where they peel back when china were like oh we don't want to sell your stuff like, oh no no that character's not gay sorry we got it wrong they they're into decidedly masculine men don't worry so, <laughs> so even the company are like that and you don't see that with GW so much. And that the community that's cultivated in Magic is like that, especially on Twitter and even on Reddit. There are some deep, dark holes you can go into to find the, the people who are into Magic who are also assholes. But on the whole, they're very <laughs> softly, softly, let's try and respect everyone, you know. Coming to Warhammer, I have been called a mm. cuck, an SJW. I have um, been attacked and had 4chan threads made about me because I said let people model Marines with women's heads. Like... The the, the the difference was kind of night and day. Like, I've had that shit for the Magic community, but it's ignored a lot. And yeah. maybe I'm only focusing on it for the Warhammer community because I'm seeing it for the first time. I'm like, whoa there, calm down. Um, mm. yeah. there, was a, there was a very famous uh, uh, statement GW made. Uh, yeah, I saw a year as I was coming back now, in, yeah. The most inoffensive thing 
you can post. It's basically saying like, yeah. be nice to people in the hobby. If if you're not nice to people in the hobby, we won't miss you. Yeah. Like there's nothing nothing offensive about that at, at all, um, in my opinion. And it's, it is but really I, crazy. Th- there is that there is that element, and it's a thing that I've had to like try and rationalise as well of like. Warhammer comes from a space in the late 70s, early 80s of like English pop culture just ripping on um, uh, conservative uh, Thatcher-esque sort of things, right? Like it's 2000 AD, it's this, it's all ripping on that. And as we've gone on and Space Marines and Custodians have become the heroes and stuff, it's kind of veered away from that a little bit. Add to that Wargaming, which then has its like tangential connections to like historics and people like paying up full like... Third Reich Army. Like, don't battalions. worry about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Once you add those things in, you are obviously going to attract assholes. And I just, mm. I don't know. I, I, I hope that as a community, we, us, everyone can like work to when new people, when kids get into it, they're like they speak to people who are a bit more respectful, as opposed to the guy who's like, no, I don't want brown people playing my game, like that sort of shit, you know. Yeah. Um. So I've seen yeah. a bit more with Warhammer. It's not that bad. I don't want to like cr- like moral panic, like oh, we're all awful, mm. but it's a little <laughs> bit worse than it is with Magic. But no, sure. I, it's 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 funny we talk about this because I actually I saw a thing on on sort of Twitter today where somebody had highlighted the fact that a a um, a dreadnought. I mean, I, I don't know how well. I'll hold this up for the camera for the guys in the podcast. I don't know how well you can see that. It's a my camera's terrible, mm-hmm. so you can't. But it's a, it's a dreadnought with a with a swastika like banner on it and stuff. Oh, and that was still on Jesus. one of the biggest hobby like blogs just in their gallery until today, and it's been there for seven years. And it took someone like oh. calling it out to be like, guys, what the hell? Like this isn't right to get rid of it and it's it's good that people are drawing attention to that stuff yeah. now and it is kind of being called out that that's the the silver lining of this but obviously as you say the downside is this stuff exists in the first place and it's just uh, yeah i i uh, you know don't get me wrong the community i think we have and the community we interact with have uh, are generally brilliant uh, and most people in the hobby are brilliant but obviously warhammer does have a problem and we we need to talk about it and i don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that yeah. you know it, it's gonna upset yeah. people right but good be upset like <laughs> I think as well, because in terms of uh, law changes, I, I actually have a great response to people who get upset about the law changes, and that is the Void Dragon. So for those of you that are, are new to 40k and you look at this <laughs> Void Dragon and you go, oh, that's an amazing model, GW absolutely nailed that. Just to clarify, the Void Dragon is something that if you go back like a year, is something GW can never bring back. They can never bring back the oh, Void yeah. Dragon. The, the, the existence of the Void Dragon in 40k is the existence of the end of Mars. Like, it's something they can never, (laughs) ever bring into the game or the narrative as a mainstream thing. But you can bring it back because, and this is true, it's a story... They can do whatever the fuck they want. It's a story. Yeah. You can just there, there. There is an exception to every single rule. It's it's like, for example, there's a there's a gene stealer called Avatar of Cain, in, in canon law. There's no there, 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 really? there's no, there, yeah. There, there, this this can't happen, but it can happen because it's a fucking story. Like you can do whatever you can do whatever you, you like. They deliberately don't do the second and 11th Primarchs because this is true, you can make them whatever the fuck you want, you can make them chaos loyalist, mm. something in between a Xenos, whatever the fuck you want to do women, yeah, yeah exactly so <laughs> it's, it's crazy well, yeah. if they did that, if yeah. they did that I would piss off so many people, it's unreal so, so, so my, my favourite thing and I, when I did my video on this was just find, doing the research was finding the guy, uh, Matt something, I can't remember his name off the top of my head who was the GW, basically the head of IP for like 30 years, who went on in about about 2015 was on uh, Bolton Chainsaw or Daka Daka, one of the others, and this this came up the whole thing of like, you know, oh, female space marines shouldn't exist and he was like, because someone pointed out that obviously back in the day in the 80s, yeah. around Rogue Trader, they had a couple of scops, and you've also probably seen pictures of them uh, female warrior Gabs, and 
and female warrior Jane, I think they're called. And someone, you know, posted these and said, hey, these are cool. Like, I wonder if this is, this is like a good, you know, something we can build on today and I'll make a female space marine chapter. And obviously inevitably got the response, you know, well, these were never intended as female space marines. Da, 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 gene seed, it doesn't work. Yeah. And this guy, like, <laughs> responded and was just like, well, actually, yeah, they, they were and they were sculpted as female space marines. And literally the only reason we didn't just in- keep them in uh, the, the blister packs that at the time they sold was because in the late 70s or in the late 80s early 90s the wargaming community sadly didn't want female yeah, war, yeah. like models and therefore it was just a commercial decision but it's, it's no funny, reason it? for it you know yeah you exactly can, can like the sale up. of the sale of stuff obviously did take like the primaris exists because they need to revamp the space marine line to get people to buy more models right but obviously now it's yeah. in the law and they've written the canon it's interesting <laughs> that like fast forward even five years after they printed those first metal space marines no one wanted them then they're like there's like a obviously a demand or some sort of inkling or wanting for female space marines they're like oh we'll make the sisters of battle who essentially mm-hmm. are the female space marines i know mechanically on the table they're different and law wise now they're different but like it's it's interesting that that, that change happened that close because the sister battles first models were like mid 80s yeah, uh, i think they were early so so rogue trader was 87 mm-hmm. and then yeah. i think i think they came out with second or third edition which would have been like 90 they're definitely like in 92. second because i i remember yeah. third coming out when i was a kid mm. so, so it might, it might be like 91 then i think for yeah, the second so they, they, they were early sisters is the i can't show you what i'm doing yeah. with the leg up on the knee up the um what's her name? oh the yeah, famous yeah, picture. The, yeah the famous yeah. one yeah I bought the what's it, and then uh, she's now got a Canoness Verdian. This one, Verdian, yeah, 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 nice. Yeah, I can't stop. I can't stop. It's, it's an addiction. <laughs> I, no, honestly, I, I say I'm, I'm. I think I'm much like you in that I just, I'm, I have lots of armies, and I think you're going to end up the same. Uh, <laughs> I love the sisters. They're, they're flipping yeah. awesome, um, yeah. and they're such cool sculpts. It helps that they're also just really good right now. Like if you play oh, with them on oh, tabletop as well. I am, I am looking yeah. forward to the, the new tank and the Nundams, the robot ladies. How, Sorry, oh, those are so cool. Do you like the new tank? I so I do because I, I I I really like the idea, and again, this is this is good for me because this is going to stop me getting another army, which is I've always thought, you know, what I'd really love, I'd really love an Imperial Guard armored tank force, but because I love the Lehman Russ, I just think it's mm-hmm. cool. Like I love the idea of like an armored division, but now I can just integrate that into my sisters with this tank. So it's yeah. purely selfish reasons, but that's why I'm like, okay, it's this just, is going to stop me spending money on that. Comparing <laughs> it to like the Immolator and the Exorcist, though, it just feels so low key and so like... it is. It is. It isn't as extra as it could be, right? I think yeah. it's stick some more gilding on it will be good it needs a cathedral tower on the top that's what it needs <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I actually hope they do this a little bit more with some of the sister stuff I in that it, for me it's keeping the, the predator around I, I think that's that's, yeah. that's what it is it's that they've this is an iconic unit there I think they're probably having conversations as we speak talking about you know what we're going to do about the future of Terminators and these iconic because they obviously exactly as you say um, I will you know, riot if they take Terminators yeah, ex- out of this ex- game. Well, exactly as you say that they had to bring in Primaris, but they will keep Terminators around because they are the iconic unit. They, they will never get rid of them completely, but they're probably going to decide will we Primarisify them? Will we say that, that you can take them in other detachments or whatever? How are we how are we going to go forward with that? And this is an example of this to me. That's what I think it is. Is this is them saying like, look, the Predator is this iconic unit. You know, we can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. We can't get rid of the Rhino chassis. So let's just move it to a different faction. And it's actually kind of an elegant solution, I think. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, uh, if I look at the direction of where I think GW is going to go, I look at the artwork because there's this whole big thing that GW do at the moment, especially that their artwork. Yeah, exactly. The artwork is fantastic. But also, if you notice all the new stuff is a lot less conceptual than like third edition, for example. If you look in the third edition rulebook, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And you're like, that's cool. What's that? Oh, it's a made up thing for this piece of art. 
now you can buy basically everything you see in any codex artwork thing but, or in the rule book. What also stops happening is that we don't get Easter eggs for coming stuff, right? Because the third ed codex where we saw Croup for the first time. Not codex, sorry, the, the core rule book, right? The Croup like were in yeah. a like a shot of other Xenos in the mm. like fluff. Yeah, it was bit. uh Croot, Necrons, and there was like some other stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. It was like a background bit. But, but, was like, oh, but we don't get that anymore because we don't get new factions, obviously. But I would like I like the idea that we're going to see some... Like the squats were mentioned in one of the Psychic Awakenings, right? Like in yes, one of the yeah, yeah, comms yeah. things. Mm. Like the idea that they might bring squats back as a, as a, they, like a dwarf drop diehard for like um, d and <laughs> I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I, I well, will, they've, yeah. they've brought one. They've got one squat, right? In, um, or in two the of them. The two brothers oh. in, in Blackstone Fortress. Yeah. And sorry, yeah. the, re- the reason I just, I held up a, a again, sorry, we're on camera here. I'm holding up a, a, a mm-hmm. Drakari Codex, the new Drakari Codex. The reason I do that is uh, to reference the art is because that's a lady, right? It's one of the things I like talking about representation in the game. They're bringing in more mm-hmm. and more of this. And on the front cover of this Drakari Codex, there are sort of four Drakari in the foreground. Three of them are female. That's good, right? It's 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 bringing more mm. of that in, and it's little changes like that, and uh, I think are just representative of where things are going, and that's good. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sort of links back to uh, something. I don't know if I've talked about on the, on the conclave. I've talked about this on on Instagram before. Aaron Dembski Bowden uh, did this whole big thing on Twitter a while ago, where he was talking about representation in the forty k universe, and. One of the things he said was people come at me and they're just like, oh, why do you force diversity into into your books? And he's like, well, it's not forced. All of these people, these black characters, these uh, brown characters, you know, whatever, they'd all be there in this universe. Not everyone in the galaxy is a white male. Yeah. So, like, I put diversity in my books because these people exist and like it yeah like it's, it's a as, a, as a kid i remember the salamanders being the black marines and i've come back to mm-hmm. it, i'm like i'm glad that they've they've had to again they've had to like make up law to explain it like oh they're, they're not they're actually like genetically modified to uh survive lava planets and then they've started putting yeah. black characters into other marine factions so yeah yeah it's, it's interesting i think as well one of the big things i've seen recently that I, I just i just can't help but assume sorry i like to pretend i'm like some sort of psychologist and, and gonna imagine what's going on <laughs> gw's head i'm a fucking idiot so it's probably not true but i i, I imagine gw like me sees D and we share a lot of the same mm. spaces as D in london and D from what i see is like 40 percent or so women i think it's inc- incredibly At high and, and for and for gw to see that and like as we can all attest there is no good reason at least no good reason why women mm-hmm. wouldn't want to play 40k or warhammer mm-hmm. and they would want to play D. there yeah. is a thing there is a thing of stranger things 100%. community the media did really really help that don't get me wrong did, did help get a lot of people in but like for gw this represents like like almost doubling the amount of people in this hobby this is like building on that this is 100 percent why i think in the next 20 years we're going to see female space marines as a thing because you can't have your premier faction the space marines be monogendered because like i've had like women you know talk to me and like that i've shown the game to and you know said oh here these are space marines and they're instantly gone why are they all guys what's up with that i mean it depends on whether it pulls it depends on how popular sister battles continue to be because they seem to be like a faction they push hard right and if that faction continues Mm. to be as popular as they are then uh, there's, a, there's a marketing thing where they're like, do they take the gimmick away from sisters by giving female marines? And I'm someone who's like, I'm probably going to have some bad angels with female head swaps just to, like, just to fucking mm. prove a point, if anything, and just to diversify my force a little bit. <laughs> but like, 
I wonder if they will lose the gimmick of what sisters have, which is they are the, the female power armor faction, right? But I know what you mean. Like, why would you have... There's Mickey Mouse and there's Minnie Mouse in terms of mascots, right? So the Space Mouse are Mickey Mouse. Are the sisters good enough to be Minnie Mouse or do they need to have the lost chapter be women or some shit? Yeah, I think, I, I think you're exactly right. I, th I think mm. that this is the test. So I think we talked about this before, actually, me and Adam, when we talked about ne Necrons, because actually ninth edition saw Necrons become the big bad guys, but it also saw sisters become one of the big good guys, which had never happened mm. ever. Yeah. And so... Look at it, the ninth edition um, trailer. Video. Ex exactly. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's what, yeah. Sorry, that's what I'm referring to. And... I think that yeah, they're hope they're hoping. I think that they can just use sisters as. But I get what you're saying, Quipster. It is going to be tough when people enter the hobby and they go, "Oh, which is the big faction, Space Marines?" And there's no women in that. Just looking at it from a point of view of will this get women into the hobby, which is what GW want. Um, and I don't know if it will be enough. We will see. They're they're going to do their best, I think, with that for for a long time. But then, yeah, they'll probably make the decision in 10 years' time or so. <laughs> I, I think a big part of it is going to be, as, as, as you say, right, and the trailer is a really good example of this, that, you know, we say Space Marines are the faction, and they are in terms of sales. We know that. We know what GW does, right? But they're also, they've been the poster boys for so long, right? The, the Ultramarine in particular, right, has always been the poster boy. And I think it is interesting, to your point, Ed, that they are diversifying away from that a little bit. Like, the, the, as you say, mm. Kenobi, the fact that the, the trailer opened with a sister strike. I mean, as, as a player, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, when she, like, mm. you know, strides out of the mist and just starts firing away with the bolter. That was, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And the fact the Space Marines don't even show up till halfway through. And then, even at the end, the two characters that charge towards the camera, the Ultramarine mm. and the sister. So they, they are trying to diversify the branding. And, and I think, you know, we all joke about, oh, the Ultramarines, Space Marines are the poster boys. I'd like to think they are going to change that. And that in and of itself will lend it's, itself to promoting so the I got into a. I've been in, I've been in several arguments already with GW staff and GW stores during the period of lockdown where we could go to stores and stuff. And one of them <laughs> really? was like, "Yeah." So one of them, the guy was like, "Oh, can I help you with anything?" And I didn't. I don't like. I don't like volunteer. Yes, you the info. can. Where are my fucking females? No, no. It, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like um, I didn't like. Go, oh, by the way, I'm collecting all the armies. And I'm just obsessed. I was more like, "Oh no, I'm just browsing and it, that sort of thing." And um. Fuck, you've, you've made me lose my point now, Adam. <laughs> no, it's Adam, sorry, sad man. Um, okay, so I said something along the lines of, like, why don't they release some fucking box sets that aren't just Marines versus X? Because then maybe, just maybe, people starting armies won't be... Oh, I'm talking about Indomitus. Won't be Marines, and therefore they buy more Marines, and we have the self-fulfilling prophecy of buying more Marines. And he was like, oh, what about um, uh, Rise of the Phoenix, the Banshees versus the Drakkar? I'm like, yeah, but no one fucking wanted that anyway, right? And the rules for the Eldar are shit. Like, there's, there's other factors here, right? Like, I get that power armor is easy to paint, and I get they've got this, like, they've got the 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 um, silhouette that is, like, um, striking and resonates with people, but why not have the Death Guard or the, or the Chaos Marines on one side of that and they have the Eldar on the other they could I guess it comes back to what Sadman was saying about um, they'll do whatever makes them the most money and there's no reason to risk not making the money by selling space <laughs> yeah. marines but I think they could I generally think they don't have to rely upon the space marine because this hobby is exploding like Henry Cavill collects fucking custodies like you don't have to sell marines to people people will buy whatever people love Tyranids people love alien shit why is there no Tyranid versus Chaos Marines box because that I think would sell because people want that shit 
but they're obsessed with every box being the fucking Marines. So it's still, I just feel very strongly about it, even though I'm a Marine player. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you will see them experiment with this. I think, yeah, you are dead on, I think, because I don't play any Eldar factions, but most of my armies are Xenos. And so, I, I, like a lot of people, I was like, GW, please don't use this as the example, because it was just kind of a, a bad box. Indomitus, comparing Indomitus to Rise of the Phoenix is, is a brilliant It's one so unfair, because yeah. Because Indom- so Indomitus oh my is, God. An, is an excellent box it, even for, for the next oh, one half yeah. it is it is a superb buying two of those is like you have a two a, not just a 2000 point army you have a good 2000 point army it, it was an, yeah. an outstandingly good box um and rise of the phoenix was obviously just because they, they didn't they did they didn't update the banshee rules really <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they, they added like a couple of things but not properly so it was and the rules do matter you know fundamentally you know we all like you know there's always going to be models that all of us will always buy because we just love that particular model but also we are all influenced by the rules of course we are so i hope i hope things like uh, piety and pain um, i hope things like them seeing how popular necrons have become they'll go actually you know because yeah, that, that, that shifts cool. models too right there's mm. new rules even for the casual yeah, crowd yeah, for even sure. for the casual yeah. crowd if, no, if you release a new Eldar Codex more Eldar models will sell if you increase it send out a new box of new rules they'll sell right even like if you're not playing at a tournament level like you know just wanting new toys to play with rules sell models so again they could use yeah. that to sell more stuff that isn't marines not that it's, that's, I don't think it's, I've, I've just got my soapbox about it it's not even the problem we were talking about I'm sorry I just feel passionate <laughs> I mean, going back a little bit to, to talking about representation in the hobby, I think one of the big tests that we're going to see in over the next 10 years or so, really, is how is the community going to react to a lot more women coming into the hobby? Um, if we not take well. the, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, not well, basically. <laughs> and I think it is going to be up to YouTube channels, podcasts like this, to essentially kind of show the way a little bit and be like, stop being assholes. Like women deserve a place in this hobby, one hundred percent. I mean, there's also things of like getting, now. well, getting getting guests on as well, right? Like, um, I, I try, yes. try and get guests on of different cultural backgrounds and color and and um, women as well. I mean, I, I have to purge comments sometimes because they're just shitty, but. I think it's weird. I think Magic has gone through a lot of the shit that Warhammer's going through, but like a little bit ahead. We're, we're still struggling. There's still conversations about how do you treat women in the in the gaming space and what's it okay to say and stuff like that. Uh, and the same with competitive as well. Like I feel like Warhammer's like in a stage of like growing its tournament scene, but Magic's already done that. Mm. And we're, we're now in the stage where the main company doesn't give a shit about tournament scenes anymore. Just want to downplay it. So we're like on that, that <laughs> part of the curve. But it happens with representation. It happens with um, the the space and the inclusivity of the space as well. Uh, Magic's had this like you know how do we treat women? Are we treating them correctly? And the growth and we've seen growth in women that play and content creators like like half the prominent streamers for MTG Arena these days are women and that wasn't the case when I was started making videos that so it's it's it's, it's changed that much in five years or three years it's crazy yeah and the young people care so much about this well there's there's an element of cultivating the community that you want as well right mm. it's not just a case of you do x because you don't want to be punished it's you do x because you want the community around you and the community that you foster in the future to do better so like mm. from the day dot i've been explicitly vocal about how polit like people like keep politics out of our game and i'm like no that's not who i am or and politics affects people all the time the, the idea that you can't be political is comes from a place of privilege right you you cannot be political if you're like a white passing male because none of these things matter to you right so I've always tried to and still do to this to this day is cultivate a community where we are inclusive and we are respectful. Like we put I put pronouns on my D and D stream the other day and someone in the com- in the in the chat was like, Why are there pronouns? Because you're you're all none of you are trans. I'm like, yeah, but when we have someone who's trans on, it doesn't have to be a big thing. The whole point is you normalize and open it up for people. Mm. And that person in the comments in the chat, sorry, said 
No, fair enough. Like, they came in a bit hostile to it, but sometimes they just need to be introduced to it. So you can cultivate that community and you can grow stuff. And I've had people on my, on my Discord, on my Patreon, who've come in, been shitty, have been ejected from the community, and they've come back later because they've been ejected by me and other members of the community as well from their spaces, and been like, you've made me like look inward at myself and the shit that I've internalized from my parents or my grandparents or whatever and realize that they weren't the way. So it's not just about punishment. It's about improving the space and growing a community that I think will foster a positive outlook in the future. It sounds very airy fairly, I know, but it's true. Like that's just it's the true. way no, it, it is. Works. Right? It works. I, I think it's I think one, one interesting thing um, just on, on the games GW makes and uh, to put my controversy hat on for a second. One thing a friend of ours has said, which I sort of agree with certainly what I see. And I don't, I'll say this, I'll preface this by saying I don't play AOS, right? I don't, but the community that I see in AOS compared to what I see sometimes in 40k, AOS does tend to be better and seems to have a higher participation of, you know, women, people from marginalised groups, you know, a wider, just a wider, more diverse participation. I may be wrong about that, but that's just what I see on social media. I know social media is not representative, so I'll caveat that there. But one of the things that's interesting a friend of mine said was, well, the reason for that partly is because they just blew up the old game and replaced it with something new. And that process, although it pissed off a lot of people, a lot of the people it pissed off cleared out a lot of those people who were quite gatekeepy and were quite exclusionary and didn't want people, you know, didn't want a more diverse hobby. Now, I'm not saying that has to happen in 40k. I think there are other I was about to say, are you saying we blow it up and go to Warhammer 50k? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll <laughs> you know what, we'll go Warhammer 80k, we'll just go another 40,000 years in the future. Um, but no, but the. Eldrad's the, still way- alive. Yeah, yeah, Eldrad is still <laughs> knocking around. He survived the heat death of the universe and has transferred into this new world. Um, but yeah, there, there are, I think there are other ways of doing it. But I just think it's interesting that we do see that. And I do see people say, oh, you know, I've, I paint AOS or I'm in AOS and I've tried to come into 40k and I find it quite hostile sometimes. And that that's, that's sad. That's upsetting. It shouldn't be like that. You know, we've got to lead the way. And I think doing those small things which you say, yeah, they might sound airy-fairy, you know, whatever... But they work, and they're small steps, but they get us to a better place mm. and build that better community. And there's nothing bad about that. There can be no downside to that at all. Yeah, the, up, the upside um, is. Oh, go on, go on, Costa. I was going to say, like, and it is kind of incumbent upon us as as creators in the space to sort of like lead by example a lot. Like, for example, having pronouns in the description on in Instagram or whatever, or in in my case, like I've made a point basically to paint uh, essentially all darker skin tones on my imperial fists the reason i've done that is so that people ask the question why have you done that it's like okay why did you notice because Mm -hmm. there's no dark faces anywhere else and -hmm. i've had people go oh crap and they've started using a variety of skin tones in their marines and so yeah it's it's about pointing these things out i think and showing people like look Let's reflect on the choices we make in the hobby and how that how that uh, affects diversity going forward. I mean, so there's, there was there was a apparently. weird there was a weird moment when I came back to the hobby because I think I'm quite I'm I'm super fucking left leaning but I came back to the hobby and I was like oh I need to get a, a, a skin tone for like my Marines and as a kid it was like mm. there was um oh, the time Goblin Green the skin tone was like elf flesh elf flesh was that is yeah. that yeah yeah and th- th- those yeah. were the ones right so like I looked for an equivalent now. And then only afterwards was like, hang on. Like, I watched a lot of YouTube tutorials before I started painting. Um, mm. I started a tutorial like, can you paint? Are the GW even considering painting darker skin like um, faces? And they have more recently, right? In the last three to four years, there are guides on how to use Rhinox hide to make. And even then, the naming conventions of the paints, where these ones are all 
flesh and then the, the the black dude's skin is rhinox hide like what the fuck is that about so yeah it's just really interesting that even that's almost like an internalized thing that i hadn't even noticed and i feel like i i feel like i'm relatively turned on to this i tuned into this stuff it's just interesting like um the things that you don't notice until someone points it out to you or makes you think about it but not explicitly pointing out to you but having the things in front of you that then makes you go oh yeah i've just realized all my marines are are like pasty white with a little bit of gullum and <laughs> contrast or whatever like it's so true it's it's funny as well talking about um say like trans uh people for example and representation in magic the gathering i think we kind of all got a bit, little bit excited because there was that um, aos model that was coming out um it's the one is it it's all adam it's the one doing the hero pose as he lands right and oh, in the uh... description I think, was, I think it was a different one. Yeah, oh, the one okay. doing the hero pose but... is, is the one Josh really likes, God of Steel Soul, which I hope he'll give me kudos oh, for mentioning okay. and remembering the name. <laughs> um, but it's, it's uh, yeah, basically, this this Age of Sigmar model came out and it had they pronouns instead of he or she, quite obviously. Um, and then later on, that was changed. And you know, we all get excited, like, oh, is this a trans character or a, a non-binary character? That's That's really cool. And it was just like kind of, not we were like oh man <laughs> yeah we've got we've got like quite a good bit of representation in the magic community for this sort of thing like creators and commentators and stuff which has kind of like forced the people who don't like it to kind of have to normalize it um and some of them have been adverse to it and created like entire reddit fucking subcultures where they're just being assholes and others have been like oh you know what this isn't as now i've actually met someone like this it's not as bad as i thought it was <laughs> and then we've got like um we had a non-binary main character in like uh the last block and we've had like trans main characters in like short stories on the main website the problem with the problem with magic is that they don't treat the canon like like black library does so you get like a book a week with warhammer magic will like fire <laughs> their like narrative director then they pay all their short stories and they just keep fucking it up real bad but the upside is there's good representation in that sense and like teferi's at the forefront of all the sets now so we've got like a, a black main character who's both sympathetic and powerful and stuff so yeah uh, i have to even though i criticize wizards for being a predatory company a lot of the time like their <laughs> their social policies are pretty pretty damn good to be fair that's really cool, Adam. You were gonna you were gonna mention something. Oh no no no! no I was I was nodding along. I think it sounds great. Well, what I was gonna say is I need <laughs> to, I clearly need to like actually because sorry slight tangent. One of the things quite interesting. So I, I work in um, I'm one of those arseholes who works in um, in the city and I work in financial services. And the number of people I come across uh, who play Magic: The Gathering is is nuts. I think it, uh, and Warhammer as well. But I think it's to do with kind of the strategic thinking and sort of learning to play. Yeah, the game. they're both rich but, boy hobbies too a little bit as well. Yeah right? yeah 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> that, Let's let's be fair. Neither the monetary, no, the, the monetary involvement is uh, is not small. Uh, but but yeah. Well, not the I, way I was, you play it. I was yeah. But I'm just like, oh, that sounds like a fun new army project. Um, but no, but I, I yeah. The number of people I come across who who play uh you know from play Magic the Gathering from from a you know wide range obviously work you know working quite well remunerated jobs but but from a very wide range of backgrounds who'd be like oh well hobbies oh yeah i play magic the gathering so i i need to like, i need to learn this thing it's a dangerous it's well, a the, the, the crossover is coming right you're, you're both yeah. you're all aware that there's the warhammer magic oh. crossover in 2021 yes. yeah 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 i right. saw they, yeah. they started talking yeah. about that yeah i don't know any details of that is that do we reckon that's going to be like a set of no, like, so here are some space reasons. we have some info so essentially um last year in magic the gathering they released the walking dead secret lair which was a secret lair product that came out and the four cards were characters from the walking dead negan and rick and glenn and um Michonne. 
And it pissed a lot of people off for many reasons. One, people were like, I don't want Walking Dead characters in our game. This is really strange. And it was jarring. Like, one of Magic has a police car in the background, which is so out of, like, uh, aesthetic <laughs> with Magic. It's unreal. And it was a gun in his holster as well. This is a game where they, they've removed pistol muskets yeah. from it, saying guns are too, are too modern. And then there's Rick Grimes reaching for his pistol. It's very strange. But there's a lot of other things that tied into that, where it was a limited release thing. These cards are legal in tournament formats. Because they're limited release, they're going to be expensive. So it's like limited release run models that aren't getting reprinted anywhere else. Because of the contractual thing, they might not be able to be reprinted elsewhere. So all these things culminate to piss everyone off. So the next time there was an announcement of this stuff with Warhammer, everyone has gone, oh no, The Walking Dead was a travesty. And in reality, as long as we don't have the limited release stuff, it's not so bad. So what's happening is we're getting Commander Precons. So Commander is the multiplayer format where four people sit at a table, 100 card decks, and you play a multiplayer game of Magic. It's a lot more casual. There's no tournament scene. There's going to be Commander-themed Warhammer decks. How many? It might be just two. It might be five. It could be even ten if they really push the boat out. That's unusual. It's normally five at most. So I'm hoping we'll get a Space Marine one. I'm really hoping we get a Blood Angel one. I don't want Gulliman. I want Dante, right? <laughs> uh, we'll probably then get like an Orc one because that seems to fit with Magic quite well. And then we'll get like Eldar, Chaos and something else, right? And all of these cards are Warhammer-themed. So we're going to get Heavy Bolter Space Marine as a card in Magic. And this is upset people. Like the Vorthos, as they call themselves, the law-concerned like, Magic players... Uh, Vorthos is a psych profile. I won't get into that. Um, because it's actual quips to make a face. Like, what the hell is he talking about? The law concerned <laughs> yeah. magic players are pissed off. But I also think magic players like to complain. So the ones who aren't law concerned are also pissed off. Because I just want to be pissed off. But essentially, yeah, we're getting actual, factual uh, Warhammer cards. And the exciting thing in the weird way is that then those cards are legal in what's called legacies. Where all the Magic the Gathering cards are legal. Like the old format where all the cards are expensive. And I play a lot of that. I love it. So hopefully that game I can play my Stoneforge Mystic and summon up a Chainsword and then I can equip it to my creature and just like <laughs> Chainsword someone. And my opponent will probably get tilted because there are people who are genuinely like saying they want to quit Magic because of this. But there's also a Lord of the Rings one coming. We've got a D&D one this year. And this opens the doorway. We might have... People are like, what about a McDonald's set the year after? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but who, who really cares? Like, you have summoned Grimace. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing people keep saying to me is like, as a Warhammer player, so you, here's a question to you three, right? If tomorrow this partnership was reversed as well, they announced that it's reversed, and we'll be getting a release of a faction that's playable in both Age of Sigma and 40k, that is just a collection of magic players. So think like demons, yeah? You know how all the greater demons are all playable on both? Think of it as Jace, Chandra, and all that stuff. They're like ch time-transposed characters casting spells. They're psychers, let's say. Would you be annoyed to see? Because you guys all like the books a lot too, right? Would you be annoyed to yeah. see that? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, yeah, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> I'll be honest. If they were just like, <laughs> oh yeah, these guys have just jumped into the like they've made some sort of portal into the universe because like there is there is traveling between dimensions exactly as you say in this idea. There is a warp that is kind of shared between AOS and 40k, but I don't. I don't know. It'd be weird. I, at the same time, I would be perfectly happy if they made some sort of Xenos race from Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. I think that would be that would be awesome. I'd be well mm. or, they, or if it was just another demon well, faction, a new god or something. That, that, yeah. I kind of to be that. honest though, as as far as I'm aware, the the fiction or the law of Magic the Gathering and Age of Sigma would actually align fairly well, well. That was one of the complaints. They're like, why is this not an Age of Sigmar co crossover? Why is it a 40k magic crossover? In all <laughs> fairness, in magic, like, there are like, they go to different planes each set, right? There are universes where they have, mm. like, laser guns, and the Frexians are half robot, half human. Like, it's not, it's not just Lord of the Rings fantasy. People are being very disingenuous <laughs> by saying that. It shares a lot with the high fantasy sci-fi feel of 40k of, like, you know, monstrous mechanical grossness and stuff, but... 
Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where it depends how they depends how they do it, right? I mean, I in principle, I think that sounds kind of cool. Like if if you can introduce like if you say if you have a, another faction that works across but you know both game systems or one, I guess. But you know if I play one of them, so if it works across both, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I I think that'd be cool. Uh, as, as as if I think to Ed's point, right? If they did it as just like oh a portal has opened and like you know. Tom, Dick, and Harry have walked in from this other universe and can do all this stuff. I think anybody is going to be like, hang on a minute, what? You know, it's like it's like sort of you know getting the Star Wars fandom and the Star Trek fandom and going, oh, it's the Enterprise has like warped into uh, the Empire and he's now shooting at the Death Star. And everyone's like, what? what? What's going on? Oh, well, Harry Potter. That's the thing. Like, I'd love to so, see that. <laughs> the, the the 40k crossover isn't canonical in terms of the, the the game's canon. Like this is this is part of a new brand called Universes Beyond. So it's not part of right, the storyline. Okay. However, the cards are playable alongside everything else. So regardless of it being in the stories, you go to your local game store and someone... So people are saying they won't even let Warhammer 40k Magic Card players sit at the same table as them. They're saying, I will refuse to play someone playing these cards. Like, imagine if you got to the game store, like, let's let's push it further. Let's say someone's got a Walking Dead-themed army, because Games Workshop are making a Walking Dead faction now. And they sit down, they get their police car out, and they get their Rick Grimes out. And, <laughs> like, it... <laughs> I think, it does start yeah, to feel a bit jarring, right. doesn't I, I, it? Yeah. I think Warhammer is different thinking about it then because Warhammer is, and there is competitive Warhammer, don't get me wrong, but even competitive Warhammer players still care about the story and you're still playing out the story, if that makes sense. So I, I don't mm. know because part of me is like if they did a similar thing, if they did a, like a Warhammer Beyond, uh, Universes Beyond Warhammer thing and they were just like, <laughs> I don't know, I, if... Uh, I, I'm not wholly against it, to be honest. I like it. I can, I can kind of see the I think it like, Here's a Harry Potter execution. army, and, and like whatever. And <laughs> it was very clearly like not part of the law, but just like for fun. And yeah, there's just a culture killed. shock, right? When you're given the idea at yeah. first, you're like, oh god, ha- Oof. Mm. it's it's a hard one. Yeah, especially because I feel like I feel like we're constantly working towards something. For me, we're const- every everybody in 40k. None of you know it, but we're all constantly working towards the lion coming back. And if we if we end up <laughs> If we end up ever have something like this happen, it's like in my head, I'm like, no, no, get get back on track, everybody. Do you know, do you know what you do though? If you're in if you're in the competitive tournament and you put your police card down, you put your Rick Grimes down, and the player opposite you uh, says, oh, "Hang on a second, that's not law compliant." You go, "There's 40 sanguinary guard over there. There's only 25 of them in existence. How, where are they from?" So yeah, you know, my I mean, my, card, 40 yeah. would also break the rules. You're going to play three blobs of ten, but yes, oh, well, well, well. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> You make a very good point. <laughs> That's too funny. I mean, going onto sort of the, the competitive scene as well, um, Kenobi. Like, is that something you want to get into? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I've, like I said, I played in a uh, uh, a small tournament on the Auspex Tactics Discord, then I played in their Warp Wanderer YouTuber one, where I got my ass handed to me by like, Bricky and the Canadian team captain and a few other people. Um, and then I'm playing on my one on my Discord as well, and I'm now I'm just like itching to as soon as lockdown's over, like for, as long as I'm vaccinated, like, the first event I can go to, like test test my metal, learn from it. Cause I used to grind magic a little bit, but I was never good enough to really get anywhere. Um, I'm definitely more of an entertainer. I don't know if people know my background. My magic content is entertainment more first, learning second, and then yeah. But with yeah, I want to give it a shot with Warhammer. I, I enjoy it. I like it a lot. I like brewing lists. I like yeah, it's fun. So definitely. And this is, I guess, is tough to say because we've obviously said some, you know, I guess what we believe to be hard truths today. But the Warhammer community is amazing, <laughs> and tournaments are am- am- amazing. Um, and so like yeah. people, I, I, I the first tournament I went to is, is a lot of people's kind of worst nightmare because I went on my own because I just moved back to the UK. I didn't know anybody, and um, but people were so welcoming and, and so lovely. It's so, good to hear. It is it is a great environment. I mean, 
when we talk about the community as well, one thing I, I definitely do have to say is you can definitely divide the community into like different aspects and that kind of corresponds to the level of toxicity um, and even by platforms. So the law community or the at times hobby community on Facebook, for example, can be extremely toxic. Uh, for example, Dude, that's just the, Facebook. Is Facebook yeah. good that's for Facebook. anything? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Have you seen what it's done to our parents' generation? Oh my god! It's oh just god. avoided. It is funny you say this, right? I, 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 I was talking to uh, Alfred about this, who, who's the guy I do my YouTube videos with. He's been on the podcast before, and 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 like, so we we kind of, uh, you know, relative to you, PK, we haven't blown up, but we we did we did we did we did well. We had some popular videos, and like it was through Reddit, and I and mm-hmm. I post the, the video on Reddit, and I post the video on Facebook, and I had a hypothesis, which was that if you take social media and you add anonymity, you make assholes, and I was totally fucking wrong. Like, I, I, people on Reddit were so nice. We we talked about this prior to starting. Adam, you said this, didn't you? As well, mm. it yeah. wasn't that people. It wasn't that people like w- didn't give any criticism. But when it was criticism, it was like proper criticism. It was it was like this is really good. I think you guys should maybe look at doing this and this and this. Mm. But I actually really enjoyed this and you know keep it up and stuff. But with Reddit and Facebook, it was like this is shit. That's <laughs> like I know I can see your name. Why why would you yeah. say this? It's so I, mean. <laughs> I used to joke that my comment section was the nicest comment section in the world, and then mm. that changed over time. Mm. And that happened with Reddit as well. My first videos got traction thanks to Reddit. But what I think happens is when you there's two ways it can go. When you're smaller, there's two ways it goes, right? People are either just quite constructive and helpful because you're smaller and there's no problem. They don't feel like they're competing with you. Or you're smaller right. and they think you're spam. That can happen too. They're like, right. stop promoting yeah. yourself, stop promoting yourself. And then when you get larger, you start to get either people who like fan over you and won't give you even criticism that you need. And you get other <laughs> people who just think like, that uh, there's an antagonistic relationship. Like, how dare he get sent free product from Wizards of the Coast for spending 50 hours a week making videos? How fucking dare he? That sort of stuff, you know? (laughs) And then those people are just complete bastards for no reason. So, yeah, I think it changes over time. And I used to be very, oh, I always read the comments. They're lovely. And now I'm like, oh, I wake up in the morning, like, do I want to read these? Do I want to read these? Is this going to piss me off? Like, so, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. On my channel, people have always been pretty nice. But I think on larger channels, I think, they become more open to criticism in people's eyes, so they're a bit harsher. I think it's that there is there's a lot to be said about parasocial relationships and how content creators and community like interact and stuff. And when you're lower, people see you as their friend and they see you on even footing and they want to see you succeed. And as you get larger, people even subconsciously become jealous and frustrated with it. And like you can catch yourself doing it as well. I can catch myself doing it with like larger creators that I know. Like they have a video do well and have a video do badly. I'm like, oh, what do they do better than me? You can catch yourself doing it because it's kind of like human nature. But I think maybe audiences and I, I, yeah, everyone included, including myself, can sometimes st- take a step back and be like, no, there's another human being making something. They're putting something out into the world. Just be a bit fucking kinder. It's not hard, is it? But yeah. I mean, currently I'm in the position where any video I'm in, the comment section is so nice to me. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll be in the comments of the next one being like, shut up, oh, Alex. No, Fuck. <laughs> I fear the moment the comments turn on me because it would just be so. It was just. PK, you don't need awful. to worry. That's the purpose of this podcast. We have to keep him, like, you know, sort of tethered on Earth a little bit. I was trying to think of a friendly just... thing I could, like, brigade his comments with, with, like, some people from my Discord. Like, maybe we can joke about him. He has to eat another sausage. But I was like, oh, um, no, maybe that's. Uh, that sounds like I'm shaming his body image. And I'm like, I just don't know how I can be mean without it coming across as, like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find a way. Yeah. Sorry, me, me and Adam have a list. Don't worry, we'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, I mean, this is going going back to the the competitive scene a little bit. 
it's really interesting to me that um, it seems the format of Magic the Gathering is such that you can have, like, an entire deck that will get, like, possibly the banned or it won't be allowed in certain types of competitive play. Is that kind of a jarring, like, move from that kind of super, like, turnover of, of stuff you can play to so, Warhammer where... Yeah. yeah. Ba- bands used to be really uncommon in Magic the Gathering. Like, the main Magic, the main Magic, uh, like, tournament scene, which is the one that I don't really get into, is Standard, which is the thing that rotates. So you have a deck that you're playing, and then the next set comes out, an old set rotates out, and your deck is no longer a deck. Those cards are not legal anymore. So the whole... The whole engine is designed to keep you buying cards, right? It's part of like, the consumer capitalist part of magic. Um, and in that format, though, on the upside, things were never banned. So you knew when rotation was coming up. Uh, and then more recently, they've had like 16 bans in one year as opposed to two in a five-year period. And things were a mess. So it used to be that bans weren't that common. Or if a ban was coming, that the community had talked about it at large. People like myself have been shouting about it in older formats, legacy and modern, where you get to play with stuff that doesn't rotate. Um, but... Yeah, bans can be rough. I've seen friends stop playing Magic because they've had two decks banned out. But they've but they've gravitated towards their, their, what's called meta chasing in Warhammer. They've gone, okay, I'm going to go play uh, Twin, <laughs> Split Twin, example as a deck. And I'm like, yeah, but people really hit that deck for a good reason, and there's always that fear. Uh, and then it gets banned out. I'm like, oh, how could I have seen it coming? I'm like, I literally told you that people thought it might get banned, <laughs> and you bought. And then that same friend went to Summer Bloom, another deck, and it happened again. We're like, now Summer Bloom's definitely getting banned. That's broken, and they move to it and it gets banned. So. That happens, but I mean, I've never been banned out of a deck. Well, I have. I've owned some of those decks, but there's never a deck I've played at competitive level. So it happens, but I wouldn't say it's as much of a problem as perhaps someone who's new to Magic might think it is. I wouldn't... If you're getting into Magic, I wouldn't be worried about your deck being banned out from under you all the time. Unless you're playing Standard, which is a fucking mess right now, because Wizards of the Coast are just going wild, so... Excellent. So, is it a more expensive hobby? I've, I've heard I've heard reports that some people say it's actually I've more heard expensive it is. than Warhammer. Is, is that actually so, this is really funny. Magic players say that Warhammer is more expensive. Warhammer players say that Magic's more expensive. Right. It's really interesting. Um, I did some videos talking about like how you could buy combat patrols and stuff for like relatively cheap, or even get to. I want to do another follow-up video where I talk about like basic two thousand point lists and how cheap you can get them via eBay and Troll Trader and stuff like that. Um, is it dearer? Well, the thing is about Warhammer is to be fair, n- nobody on this podcast is, so it's probably not a good example. But it is there is a very very common player of warhammer who buys their army and has that army for the next 30 years and doesn't buy another one and don't get me wrong you know there is codex creep and, and metas do change but you're not punished that much like for yeah. example, i i i play, I play gsc mm. i wanted to make a video on this actually because I, I play gsc and then they're like you know said to be the worst faction in the game at the moment because of like some the, the meta um worse than the meta watch thing worse than tower technically um, oh yeah but the thing is but at least you can I'm, soup gsc right you can soup them with nids then they're not terrible tower got no friends I, I i don't like to do that but <laughs> But I, th- um, I think well, GSC, the thing is, it's their win percentage. And r- the real reason is because GSC are harder to play. So right. it, yeah, the, people can do better with GSC, but most people, on average, people will do worse. Yeah. But um, the thing is, I think the gap is not that much. I think there is a gap. And I think that like if I play um, you know, uh, Dark Angels or Drakari or, or Death Guard or something, that there is a gap there, but it's not it's not insurmountable. And so I, and I don't know if that's the case for Magic the Gathering. Can you just buy a deck... And or a couple of decks and just play with it's, that forever. It's super different because how magic functions on a competitive level is it's kind of night and day. So with Warhammer, you buy into your faction, right? You buy your troop, your HQ, some elites, and there's a finite number of options. Even for Marines, who have like 92 data sheets, there's a finite number of options. With magic, uh, let's say we're playing like modern, there's like 
don't know, uh, uh, 11,000 cards available. And then, like, instead of buying a faction, you have to build into an archetype. The archetypes are discovered by the community. They aren't, like, handed to you as a faction as such. So you don't just go, oh, I'm going to play blue-red. You're like, okay, well, what blue-red are you going to play? You're going to play, like, a tempo deck? You're going to play, like, a combo deck? What's your... Like, so you buy into archetypes. Um, is there a big stark difference in power level between archetypes? Definitely, because I I often play the same type of deck in every format called Death and Taxes. Sometimes it's top tier, sometimes it's like C tier. Um, there definitely is, but it's very different in that sense. And also, a banning can shift things up. If they ban a card out of a top tier deck, the entire meta game will switch around, and suddenly your tier one deck is now tier three, and you might struggle because your best matchup got banned out of the format, which happens. So it's 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 very different in how it's like laid out. In a way, and that's a very non-committal answer, right? But it's so different yeah. in that respect. Yeah, I think I, I think because I think that is the thing about Warhammer that I think you know does get pushed aside. Is it is possible? Like, don't get me wrong, the initial cost is always going to be expensive for Warhammer, but it is possible to just you know buy an army and use that forever. That is mm-hmm. a very not not even like challenging thing. It's a very easy thing to do. I think your Warhammer models are more likely to last you longer. I think they're more likely to give you more value for money per hour of hobby spent because you have to build, paint, and construct and kitbash them. Where magic is just like you don't get that. So <laughs> the one thing that sounds very different between Wizards and Games Workshop is I would say Games Workshop are going the other way in that I think they're actually better at balancing the game now. And I think it will only get more balanced. So for example, at the start of ninth edition, we've seen some imbalance. Don't get wrong between the codex. Uh, Factions with codexes and factions without, but I don't think it's that great. I think it was worse in eighth. Mm. I think it was worse in seventh, and I think it's getting better each edition. And I think that hopefully that they are adding more rules and more complexity. But I, I actually think there is a limit. I think GW know their limit. I think they've they've planned it out. They've planned it out at this point, and so I think that it will actually kind of it will. I think we'll get to a pretty good equilibrium. Because you know, I mentioned about curve earlier, where like Magic has already had its like big competitive scene, and now the the mothership company doesn't really give a shit, and other people might have to take over that curve. <laughs> I think we're on that for Power Creep with Warhammer as well, because with Magic, Magic recently launched Magic Arena, which is a digital platform where people can play standard and historic like online all yep. the time, and they have perfect data. Like every game that is played, they know what cards are played, who won, that sort of stuff, right? We've only just got meta-analysis. Well, I've been in the hobby, which is less than a year. We've just started getting meta-analysis in Warhammer Community. Um, they obviously ignore TTS for the most part, or if they use it, they don't want to acknowledge <laughs> that it exists, right? But they're like, a GT we've used here. They're like, was that online? Was that online? So they, they can't, because there's no online, and they're never going to. I don't think that's even remotely on GW's cards to make an online client, right? Yeah, so yeah. what I think is, like, the amount of information they get and how often they patch is going to be less. But if as we get more and more data, as we go back to a post-COVID world, where there's tournaments every weekend, and TTS stuff gets like muddled into that, they don't say it's TTS, but it's in there. Then the more data they get, the more they can fac and patch more often. The reason that cards got banned a week after launch on a new set in Magic is because everyone on release day was spamming the deck and they could see it was busted. That's like now where we don't know if the transhuman all-the-time Deathwing are too good. They probably are, let's be real. But we don't know if they're too good yet. <laughs> But, and we haven't got data, and they won't have the data. So I think if they can condense that down, we'll see a similar cycle. I mean, Wizards keep messing things up, and I keep saying this in this podcast, but I want to clarify, every set's got 180 cards to 200 to 300 cards. Four of them will be busted. The other, the other like, 200 are great. Thematically on point, flavorfully on point, like, wonderful pieces of design. Everyone just focus on the four that got banned, right? Every single time. And I think mm-hmm. we'll see that. Like, it's just the Jukari um, Succubus, too few points, almost certainly, for the damage that's put it out. It's another Smash Captain. They said they didn't want to know, done it. But again, we won't see the data, and they can't react to it fast enough to even emulate where magic's at in that sense so it might be just the same thing but on a longer time frame if that makes sense 
But at the same time, would you want weekly patches? Would you want point adjustments and FAQs every week? Mm, yes, I would. <laughs> I, I, I would too. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say that. I say that. I, and I totally respect that most people, lots of people, would be like, no. And like I say, this is why I think GW planned it out because, for example, in the complexity of the game, I, I would have the game get more complex. However, I understand that most people don't, and I think they are very valid to have that opinion. But um, if GW made the game for me, I, I, would, I would double. But if it's all on your app in your hand, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not that complex, right? True. It's, do you think the Wyoming community has this That's fascination with books and making sure the books are right? Because none of the books that I bought in my year with this game, none of <laughs> them are valid. I've got a Dark Angel Codex, which is probably going to be invalid in a month's time, right? Because yeah. of an FAQ. Well, there's no but... reason you can't adjust points. I, I think that there's, mm-hmm. re- there's really no reason. Because don't get me wrong, that there's a the, the argument that there's there's an argument to uh, when you tweak things like strats and, and abilities. That's quite tough because people then have to have the, the stuff. But you don't have to carry the points with you all the time. Like GW, you know everybody uses Battlescribe, or they hope everybody will use their app. Like it is, it is, there is a complexity to the game, but it's not too hard to hit the equilibrium because you can just you can just every week drop something by a point. You can oh sorry every month drop drop something by a point. Yeah, and, and then and then when when you when it, when, it, when oh everybody's taking this okay raise it by a couple of points. It's actually it's a perfect system for over like the course of a year hitting a pretty pretty good equilibrium, um, and they don't use it. I don't know why. So, so I, I shook my head then, but the only objection I had was to the to weekly. That that's it. Like I, yeah. I, I, I know it sounds like a very petty thing, but I like when it says like monthly, I think that works. And the only reason I say that is just because mm. fundamentally this is still a physical hobby where people are building and painting stuff. Yeah, and like, I agree. given given the time scale on which mm. tournaments take place, I think if you knew that every single month on a around the same date there is gonna be an FAQ. It allows both tournament organisers and also those of us who are participating to plan around the idea that oh my like my gaunts might drop by five points, I might go up by five points. So if I'm putting together an army and I've got to paint some new units, like I know I'm not gonna get like, you know, spend a million years painting up Mortarian and they're like, Oh yeah, he's gone up by two hundred points. So uh, yeah, you can't you know, there's no room for him in my list anymore. You damage like tournament then. attendance as well because people yeah, know yeah. like yeah. like if something's evidently broken, like what's gonna get facts to be changed and then people don't wanna play in that format until the fact happens and you get Absolutely. that complexity and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I showed up to my local like... game store to play one a couple of games when the lockdown got eased a little bit. Uh, you know, masks on, separated out space and stuff. Yeah. And no one in my store knew like Duty Eternal had been FAQ'd. So that was a conversation I had with like three different people. Like games I wasn't <laughs> in, I was like, bother, that's not how that is if we're playing match play. And it's just funny because like in in Magic, everyone is quite up to date on what the ban lists are, what the new rules yeah. are. But Warhammer, everyone's like, got their book. And if their book says it, it's true. Yeah. Like, that's not how this hobby works. That, that's, surely. That's, that's interesting that you say that to me because that, that that surprises me a bit. Because I mean, that that's a good argument to say not to do it, and I, I, I can see that because uh, I I kind of assume that everybody exactly as you say, like in Magic, is the same, and like everybody finds it quite easy to find a PDF online. I think the GW can do more <laughs> to make sure that yeah. all of the rules well, changes for your faction the app are in is one the key. Place. The app right? is yeah. the key. You're 100 percent right. They've they've the app, if they get the app right, it will change everything. Yeah. But a really a really simple mm. addition to that, like I agree with the app thing, but one of the big reasons I think stuff like that does happen still, leaving aside the issues with the app because you know it does go wrong and it like deletes your army every time you update, which is a fun. I mean, I don't even use the app right now because of the issues. Hands up, yeah, yeah, exactly, through, through, exactly, but... right. So um, yeah. I want that sponsorship. The, the, the PDFs... So I say I do use it every time. <laughs> Ed uses it all the time. <laughs> they sponsor him. Um, the, the like the PDFs are a good example of this, right? So 
I am I'm a I'm a lawyer by training, right? I read complex documents and I, you know, it's part of what I do for a living. I'd like to think I'm quite good at it. Some of the stuff when they put out their PDF updates for FAQs for codexes, not all of them, some of them are very short, but when they have very long ones and when they do like the big munitorum manuals that they publish, until that's put in the app or put into Battlescribe, sometimes actually working out where things have changed is a bloody nightmare. It would be like seriously, GW, have you heard of sorry, this is getting into my professional career now, but have you ever heard of track changes? Just do that. Just show us where things have changed. It would just make life so much easier. And then you wouldn't necessarily, you know, as well as via the app, you wouldn't necessarily have people who go, oh, well, hang on a second, I've checked this PDF and it's the same. And it's like, oh, no, then you have to go to this one and you actually see there's a difference. You know, it's just about making people's lives easier. I think I think the other thing that I hope is what we're going to see this edition, because as, as Adam mentioned earlier with ITC, um, the, the rules set seems to be more competitively focused, mm-hmm. which I, I think is fine. I think it's absolutely fine if they then give a supplement and this is like, if you just want to play friendly narrative games, you can use this. And that, 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 that additional supplement can have a bunch of fucking bonkers-ass rules. I'd be happy for them to add um, some faction-specific rules and like things that are really unbalanced. Like, what, like, this, like for example, there's no reason you, like, you, know, you shouldn't give all of these incredibly important narrative characters three up invents. You can give them a bunch of three up invents if you want to play narrative games. Because they should do. They should survive till the end of the game, have, a, have an epic battle, and that's how the game ends, if that's what you want to do. But in terms of... But you make, you make the core set competitive rule or like mm. i say competitive it's just a balanced is, is the idea you don't have to because there, the there is that interesting difference right between gt and eternal war like gt is being patched right like the mm. the turn five rules the uh who goes first rules all patched into gt with the faqs as far as i understand like, eternal war just isn't patched like what is in the book is how eternal war works right yeah i i, I, I see what you mean yeah but it's I, I, don't know, I think i think they're the competitive scene one thing i like again maybe going on a slight tangent one thing i like with the codexes they've been coming out as well as balancing the factions and making everything a lot more killy it seems to me across everything um they're also leaning into mm. the 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 fluff of each one right so it seems yeah, to me definitely. that the the the, 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 the mm. armies are getting more powerful but they are really leaning into like this is what how this army plays and this is the or sorry take that back a second there are several ways of playing the army but like fundamentally it has this particular style about it and this is sort of how it works and that can be that can work really well if you know how to do it but you know that might not be for you i really like that in the competitive side that's one thing they're doing is leaning into that fluff i mean the Drakari codex i've been sort of flicking through it over the weekend it's fantastic i mean some of the units in there like you say the succubus is probably underpriced for what you could just make her do yeah just absolute filth Uh, but you know, hits like a truck, but they are a glass cannon to some extent, right? And that is what the Drakari should sort of be. You know, they're not the Death Guard, which may not be very killy from range, but they're slow, but you get in close, they're going to cause you problems. So I, I do like that they are kind of leaning into that sort of... Um, bringing the fluff into the competitive side as well, as well as kind of trying to balance the game across Yeah, the like the, the spreading of contagions and stuff like that. It's, in, it's incredible game design to actually bring, yeah. like, the, the idea of plague and disease into, like, tabletop rules. Like, each codex so far, other than perhaps Space Wolves, right? Maybe then the sagas are cool. The sagas are cool, but yeah, every book has been wicked so far. Excellent. And it's actually on that note that I have to uh, start rounding out the show. Um, it's flown dude. by, Quipster. It's flown but- by. I know, dude. I'm not gonna lie. This it has been a fantastic chat with you. We've got to have you again on at some point. That's yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. But absolutely. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? 
if you want to see uh, YouTube videos about Magic and Warhammer, uh, youtube.com forward slash person Kenobi. I stream a uh, minimum of once a week, often two to three times a week. Again, Magic and Warhammer, and sometimes just random stuff too. Uh, on twitch.tv forward slash person Kenobi. I post too many pictures of my miniatures, apparently, according to my Warhammer followers, and uh, my Magic followers on Instagram, <laughs> which is also person Kenobi. Um, and I also tweet about um, Greg's politics and Magic the Gathering and Warhammer on Twitter as well. I'm very mm-hmm. active at shitposting on there as well, which is person Kenobi as well. Excellent. You've definitely said that before. Yeah. Yeah. Many of times. <laughs> just reeled it off. I yeah. love it. Excellent. And uh, just to sort of condense things down, um, I'm Quipster. We've had ADR Wargaming and The Sandman on. Um, you can find all of us if you go to the Conclave Instagram account. Uh, or, and you can also find us on YouTube. The, uh, the podcast you can find on all different podcasting platforms. We're everywhere. Uh, and yeah, that's a, that's a goodbye from me. Adam, do you want to say goodbye? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for coming on, PK. And uh, listeners, we are we are back. Normal services resuming. And I've had a little bit of a hiatus, I should say that. Um, but normal <laughs> services resuming. And we will you will get to listen to our idiotic opinions uh, on, the, on the hobby of Warhammer <laughs> on a regular basis again uh, from this week onwards. Excellent. And Sandman, do you, do you want to like, finish out the show for us? Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to sing or something now, <laughs> uh, uh, which would not, <laughs> tune. which would not be a, a pleasant experience for anybody. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much for coming, PK. I don't know why. Uh, should I have thanked you again? I don't know. But, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate all the thanks. Thank, been, thank you a, for thanking me. Yeah, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, yeah, as Adam says, life got in the way, but we will be back with, with the normal show shortly. So yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.